cup of coffee right here. Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 202. I got a super special night ahead for you guys. Smiley and Medically Fit are here to talk some organics, deep, deep organics talk for you guys. Smiley, Medically Fit, how you guys doing tonight? Fucking doing awesome. Hanging out with you on fucking talking shit with eagles eagle garden i'm doing great man mr smiley how you doing tonight fucking awesome dude it was cool seeing everybody today up at the campground we had the little event here med fit so there's a campground up by eagle that uh throws a little vent there's a handful of vendors it was mainly just camping and some music playing and it's cool last time Hell yeah. Doing good. But yeah, man, I'm excited to talk to you, dude. So everybody talks to me about organics and those. I'm I'm, uh, turning my head around. Maybe I'll take it serious. But uh, yeah, (laughs) I mean, as far as like organics go, dude, when I started in organics, I was watching Medically Fit's video. On the fucking rundown A to Z of all these fucking top dresses that you could do, and like all this super soil mixes, shitty was mixing in stuff. And I know, I know things change and techniques change and whatever, man. But I'm just giving giving you the shout out as far as like fucking you've been doing it for years, dude. Smiley, here's the one thing that I noticed though. I've been thinking about this. I don't know too many YouTube channels that actually are breaking down what the amendments are doing for you as you're putting them in the soil like I do. Yeah. And that's one thing that I think really helped people understand is if you're using alfalfa, kelp, bakashi, why are you using it? So me breaking it down over the years and explaining to people why they're using it in their soil, man, that's the one thing I think my really helped my channel was giving people that information. No, most definitely, man. That was uh, like, I didn't even use your recipe. I mean, not, not an, no offense or anything, but I didn't use your recipe, but I used your information that you were putting out about that because all of that was solid fucking info. So yeah, I mean, anybody in chat listening or whatever, if you're curious about what nutrients and what's going on, um, that's a good resource on a lot of that. No, man, um, just to kind of kick off a little conversation here. Um, so I had the, I had the uh, discussion with Leighton on the organic takeovers, and we're, we got into a topic that's pretty fucking deep, and it's, and it's redox. And you had made a couple videos on that as well, and I know it's a topic that, that you've kind of brought up in a number of different ways and, and conversations, and I just thought it'd be like... Uh, Maybe we could just talk about it on here on air and and, uh, and maybe maybe somebody in chat's gonna understand it a little better and, and well about nonsense, you know. So let's let's kind of pick up Leighton was talking about EC and pH and soil, and that's kind of where redox starts to happen. Mm-mm. Yeah. It goes way deeper than that. It actually happens in the mitochondria. Um, Our plants actually make RSO, which is 
reactive oxidative species. And that's the one thing like this redox and a lot of it's really termed as RSO, um, reactive oxidative species, goes way deeper in this plant. And it's not just about the soil and the root zone, but it's about the whole plant symbiosis with microorganisms. And redox signaling actually affects way more with a plant when it comes to salicylic, jasmonic, ethylene pathways, when it comes to the plant defense mechanism. So it gets really deep on redox and what it does with plants. Because as humans, we also use redox in our body and we don't realize it. And as we get older, we don't produce all these redox molecules. And so it's kind of important that what we can do is somehow figure out how to get it back in our body. So I have been a part of a company for many years um, because I've been a certified personal trainer. Uh, it's called ASEA. It's actually a patented living molecule, redox molecule. So I've kind of had to learn more about this redox. Um, and this has taken place years ago that I, I came across it when I lived in Las Vegas. And now I've talked about it over a year ago to several people in the community, just kind of bringing it up like, hey, what do you guys think about this? Most of them just, oh, whatever, not listening. There, there's other things more important. Well, come to find out now that this really affects every part of the plant. And it's so interesting how far redox molecule and redox signaling go that, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see it start to come into light in the cannabis community. So just to back it up a little bit. So um, when we were talking, when I was talking with Leighton and we kind of, we kind of started at kind of a basic sense, but um, I just took a few cliff notes and I just wanted to throw those out. You can agree or disagree in any way. I'm just throwing out a baseline to kind of have some understanding of what we're talking about. So yep. in soils, we're common, common to the term pH, and that right. is a measure of hydrogen. It's an inverse measure of available hydrogens. This is my understanding, but which is actually a measure of protons. So however your understanding of pH is, if you can think back to chemistry class and what an atom was, there was a basic atom had protons and neutrons in the center of that. And it had these electrons flying around the outside of that. And that's what made up each molecule that we're talking about, whether it's sulfur, whether it's calcium, whether it's hydrogen, they all just have different numbers of those protons bonds, yep. and all that. So when we talk about redox, it's reduction oxidation is the term. And in, and in the measurement of it is EH and it's, and it's a measurement of electrons. So if you can picture, so just, just kind of in your mind's eye picture, instead of maybe instead of the, the plants and, and all the stuff we're thought of with like chlorophyll and all that. But if you can think of it more of like an electrical circuit and, and there's movement of like these electrons happening through the plant. So, and, and so just to kind of give a little better understanding of that even more, or my 
kind of light bulb moment with some of that is it's still the, that energy source is still originating from the sun and it's how plants are converting that sunlight energy into usable energy for everything else. And well, good, go ahead. And that, that's where a lot of photosynthesis that a lot of people know happens. That's where a lot of the energy cycle happens with photosynthesis, correct? Yep. And well, that's what, yeah. Yep. And Go that's ahead. where it gets deep, right? Like even if you break down the process of photosynthesis, if you look at the individual pieces, there's there's these different photosystems. And, and then um, one of them is, oh man, I spoiled on that. But one of them is, part, part of it is called the electron transfer chain. And exactly what that is talking about is the movement of that electron from the sunlight ray into the, the plant and how it's assimilating it into that sugar that, that we know, you know, photosynthesis makes sugar. But I want you to think of it as photosynthesis makes energy because that's makes, kind of the difference of that. So here's a better way. Photosynthesis creates ATP, ADP, NH, ADP, if that's correct. And what that's doing is the Krebs cycle, the energy cycle for the plant, working with glucose and photosynthesis. Yep. And that's where the plant, it uses so much sugars, carbohydrates to produce energy that it takes energy for it to produce energy. It's pretty interesting. Well, so just to kind of finish here, just for people's like mind's eye on this too. So oxidation re and reduction are kind of like opposite polar ends, just like acid and, and alkaline or, you know, North pole and South pole kind of whatever term, you know, works good there. But, um, I squirreled again. <laughs> the uh, oh, that reaction can go either way, and and based on which direction that reaction is happening, it's either taking energy to make that reaction go in in one way, or it's using energy or releasing energy. So, so basically, what I'm getting at there is like the plant is is adding energy through photosynthesis to make the sugar happen. Reactive, yep. And then, and then whenever that sugar is used, say by biology down in the soil, it's basically breaking that sugar apart with its enzymes and that's releasing that energy that the plant stored in that. And that's kind of a basic synopsis of what that movement happens. But like what Med blew my mind with is how the, uh, the biophysical happenings of how those signals can be used to trigger different immune responses, how they're used as a, as a safety measure um, in, in making different compounds. It's just a... Well, for years, because redox has kind of been around for a long time. Um, people understood them, but they understood them as a sense as oxidative and that they were bad because they cause out of oxidative reactions, which can kill and destroy cells. And so a lot of people for a long time, it's like, oh, well, 
you know, all it's, it's doing is causing more harm. Well, recently is when they started finding out the photosynthetic uh, electron transfer chain that we're talking about with the chlorophyll. Um, that's where a lot of start having sites of where these electrons were leaking um, from an acceptor side, which was causing amounts of extra, how do I want to say, like a um, RSO. So yeah, it's like a super radical. Um, it's a, yeah, in a sense, it's a free radical. Um, so when you talk about like antioxidants and free radicals and as a human, we, you know, we try to take free or antioxidants, which gets rid of that oxidative state and helps get rid of, you know, that dead tissue. Uh, we try to take a lot of this. Uh, plants are similar to this. It's they are looking for something that is similar to that it's repairing, but it's not damaging it. But like I said before, a lot of times we thought it was damaging and now we're finding out that it's not and these plants can actually handle this. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. Um, and a lot of the research that's been out. Um, so yeah, I just, wherever we wanna go with this, like there's just so much information to this. Yeah, and I just, I don't want it to go like, it's almost got to build, man, like from some kind of a basic understanding of what what happens through a lot of that. Um, I actually, an article I sent you today actually goes through a lot of that and actually breaks it down uh, for the simple understanding. It kind of talks about the introduction and talks about what RSO is, um, how they work, what they're created from. Um, what was some of it? It talks about it in the mitochondria. It talks about basically like hydrogen peroxide is a great understanding of what redox molecules are and oxidative reactive species. So, so go ahead. Explain what are you what are you talking about with the hydrogen peroxide? How so hydrogen peroxide is an oxidative. Um, it. It's so, H2O2, so yeah. So, so it's the O2 that we're looking for from a reactive oxygen species. That's where a lot of the O2 is coming in. So say you cut yourself, you pour some peroxide on, it's going in there, and you see it kind of foaming up and you know cleaning everything out. That's what we consider the bad side of like hydrogen peroxide, where it's actually killing the tissue in there and cleaning it up at the same time. Well, now if we use a smaller fragment of hydrogen peroxide, say in a spray bottle with a little bit of water, you know, like a 3%, um, well, doing that can affect the auxins in our plant, um, can affect the growth in the root tip. Um, it can affect, um, how our plant works to defend itself. So just hydrogen peroxide itself can have different effects on our plants because of how it, how our plant react to it. If we do it too much, it can kill it. If we do just enough where it's using the enzymes and proteins that it's you know causing it to be beneficial. So 
Let's go. Let's see. Um, well, there's some information actually talking about. Let me find it real quick. Hydrogen peroxide. Let's see. Is there a screen share on this? Yeah, some of the so my some of my understanding of that is I gotcha. the, plant, the plant can use certain reactions to create hydrogen peroxide in areas that it wants it. So if it's it's part of how it can control the pH in the root zone, which we always hear about that right on the organic side, guys. We're like, oh, I never have to pH. You know, the plant does that. Should form. be good, man. Those okay. are the processes that basically allow that plant to con help control or adjust that pH in the rhizosphere. So in See certain cases, so. releasing that hydroperoxide is going to protect it or help it or do it at a certain... So the plant can manufacture that. We're not, we're not necessarily having to add that. Is this screen sharing now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So here's kind of a deal where H2O2 comes in, hydrogen peroxide, and it actually affects like the elongation of the root hair, the transition zone. Um, sometimes our RNA polyminase will change. So the H2O2 is actually affecting a lot more with how our lateral roots are working. Um, so with us talking about like root zone, hydrogen peroxide, you know, we know it can go in there. If we use enough, it's gonna kill the biology in the top part of the soil. So that's the higher end of it. Well, if we're not using that much and we reduce the amount that we're using, now it becomes almost beneficial to the plant where we're getting oxygen signaling because of reox, redox signaling where it's changing the hormones in the plant and allowing the plant to actually grow and in a way it's benefiting the plant and not causing harm. Is that more hmm. where I'm understanding, you know, where I can explain it. Um, let's get in here. See, here's some of the things that the areas that redox actually affect H2O2, the O2, the so RSO is reactive. Like I said, reactive. Ox reactive oxidative species. And these are the types and they're mainly hydrogen peroxide and what they're affecting. So it uh, actually helps with seed germination. Using hydrogen peroxide, I use a couple drops, 3% most of the time, and a little bit of water when I'm germinating my seeds. And it's pretty interesting how it's really helping with pollen uh, seed germination. So it kind of looks like uh, basically we're talking about the gain of oxygen or the loss of hydrogen when we look at water there. Because if, if we go from H2O to H2O2, it's adding the hydrogen. And then right. I, know, I know in other processes in the plant, through water hydrolysis, it'll split the water molecule and it'll remove one hydrogen and it'll leave OH minus. And that's kind of the, the loss of hydrogen that we were talking about. But the plant has the ability to control what those reactions are happening so it can help 
that this is the process that it's controlling the nutrient uptake it's controlling ph of the rhizosphere it's controlling basically the eh in that rhizosphere but it's it's how nutrients come into the plant and it's how it signals things have in the plant as well. well let's go back to ph real quick if you understand plant succession weeds lichens weeds grass shrubs trees okay well the weeds grasses all wanted more of a alkaline soil a bacterial dominant soil according to dr ingham so if you're looking at the soil, okay, we know that bacteria is more of an alkaline type of producer for soil. When we get into fungal dominant soils, they're more acidic, where they're just below seven, not so much like five, you know, but like six, seven, six, eight, just a little acidic. So we know that the biology, the fungal bacteria, um, can control the pH levels around the rhizosphere and in the soil. So that's also going to affect how the plant's signaling down to the rhizosphere on what's going on. So, man, this thing is just so, like, intertwined in how everything works with each other. It's just amazing about how deep this rabbit hole goes because literally – Everything I've found over the years that redoc RSO works with almost every part of the plant when it comes to hormone signaling, um, oxen signaling, secondary metabolites for self-defense, um, sending different signals for different uptakes of nutrients. It's just, it goes into iron uptake and cations and a lot of information. Let me see, get this to stop and try to find this article. Can you see chat, man? There's some. No, I'm not even on YouTube right now. Eagle, can I don't know if you can see chat or if you're able to land questions, but I do see a couple of questions. Um, Yoda, Yoda grows was saying, asking if, uh, like he's used H2O2 in salt-based nutrient systems, but you're saying you would recommend uh, one milliliter per liter top dress for benefits? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Let's see. I used to, well, it just depends. Because like if I had a gnat issue, I was trying to get rid of the larvae in the top of my soil, I would do like a 29, 30% in my water to kind of help kill the biology, just eat up everything up there, oxidize, you know, just really destroy it. Well, I don't, what he's saying now is you now you're trying to feed it to the root in a plant. So yeah, you're gonna have to figure out what's gonna work for you, not destroying the biology because some of this is still oxidative to some of these, um, some of the biology. So, so if oxid oxidative, just to kind of go back in like biophysics here or whatever you call that, but the, the oxidative, to my understanding, is is absorbing electrons out of the whatever. 
So, so it's, it's ending the life of biology because it's basically sapping all the electrons away that it has to do its normal life functions. And it's, and it's tying it up to its own body, so to speak, in a way that... Well, and oxygen can kill. Yeah, and that's how it's killing, right? It's basically right. kind of, in that electrical sense, it's basically like the off switch for the electrical movement. You know, that's kind of what I was getting at, I guess. I'm just trying to think it through, man, in my head of like, how can... You know, this information is really cool and, and for botany and, and understand how plants function and all this shit. But for a lot of the people listening and like a lot of the growers listening, it's like, you know, they got a tent at home and like what kind of consideration do you think some of this understanding can like how have you applied the knowledge to be a benefit in your garden? Well, that's where like I've done playing around with this product to see it, these living molecules and sprayed it on some plants, sprayed it on clones, sprayed it on seedlings that look like they're having some problems coming up, you know, like the expression, like they didn't have enough energy and they needed a little boost. So I did a bunch of different kind of testing on some of just plants around. And sometimes it wasn't what I was looking for. Uh, some of my clones, they ended up dead. They did not help the clones do. Um, well, but that's first attempt in learning, right? Yeah, but that's where I'm. I'm trying to figure out more on this learning curve of, okay, if I'm spraying a couple sprays, what is the dosage I'm actually spraying the plants? So that way I can understand the amount I'm using to see if I can either reduce it. And it's going to be beneficial or like some of my plants that are in veg, my seedlings that just look nasty, hard, having a hard time growing. I'd spray it on them. And the next set of leaves and leaves after that, it just, it got healthy. And it like everything that it was having problems with the expression in the genes or the epigenetic issues with, you know, from seed germination, you know, all the problems of, um, not having enough energy or whatever it be that it actually helped the expression of the plant get to that homeostasis it's, it's looking for. And it created the energies that the plants grew out of the issues. When there's some other house plants that, you know, you're kind of wanting to go in the flower. It's, it's odd because it's like a phosphor or how do I say that word? Phosphorylation phosphorylation yeah. um, it kind of helps the plants deal better with that and sends the plants more into a flower state where they're starting to produce flowers and flower sites so it's really interesting um and that i'm getting a lot of different things that are happening there's other times like i've said where i sprayed my plants um in veg and it looks like it's damaged the tissue of the leaves and it's either burn them or it's caused damage where it's not growing properly, where it's oxidized, oxidized that growth and it killed it off. And so the leaves kind of started growing funky. So it's really been interesting on what I've seen just kind of doing some spray samples with plants. 
So I guess for me, a couple of things that, that rang a bell in my head and, and just out of my experience. So like, maybe this is just the path I was walking down, which kind of tipped the iceberg for me is, um, so I mixed the, I mixed my own soil med and I basically did like modified boots mix, Cornell mix, whatever you want to call it. I, I did my own amendments. I did my own aeration, mixed up a soil. Well, I ran it and my intent was to do multiple cycles with the same pot, which worked for the first one. Great. Soil was beautiful. The second one, nah, maybe. The third round, all kinds of weird, funky fucking problems, right? Well, just in thought process of, of looking at a sick plant and trying to figure out what's going on. And, and uh, I don't know, I had, I had harvested around. So I had these pots that I was moving around that were empty, right? And I kind of let them dry up a little bit. They're easier to move around and wet them back down. The worms are okay usually. But um, but anyway, I, I moved this thing and I kind of just tossed it a little bit and it went thump like a fucking hockey puck. It just hit, you know what I mean? And I was, and it dawned on me right that moment, like, holy fuck, compaction's my whole issue. And And when I started looking at the need for, like not having compaction in there and what's actually going to happen with with compaction all my symptoms started fitting with all that too but it all kind of fell along this oxidation and reduction line and another the other term that really was used that dawned on me was aerobic or oxidative versus anaerobic or reducing. lack of oxygen yep reducing you know, so, so now we have like this pH scale, which, which, you know, people have mentioned, well, the pH changes, whether the pot's dry or the pot's wet. Well, that's a lot to do with what's happening on the, the level of EH or redox or biology, basically, is whether it's dry or wet in the pot. So your moisture content in that pot was, was pretty fundamental. The other light bulb moment for me was the realization that that the biology that's in the soil that we're all concerned about, and, we, and, and as organic growers, we always talk about, oh, we got this biology that does all these magical fucking things, but that biology requires an input of energy. So if you're looking at it like that electrical circuit still, it's the mo it's the engine, right? That's the fucking motor of the RC car that's gonna go zing. Well, you gotta have a charged battery to make that thing go zing. Well, how do well, you charge charge the battery? And that's through photosynthesis. So like it basically is that whole line and, and we've all heard this too, like a healthy plant builds healthy soil, but that's exactly how it's doing it is through this process of putting that that energy, which are those electrons into the soil well i don't know if you've ever seen a demonstration of somebody taking a electrical voltmeter to a plant and testing millivolts and actually getting reading of millivolts off a plant there's your ec there's where you're seeing the plant electric conduct conductivity and the how do i want to say it like the plant's nervous system in a sense, like we all have, even in our bodies, we all have 
these systems throughout the lymphatic, you know, like humans, the lymphatic, the nervous, um, where signals are going all the time. If you actually test your body, you would see that your body is producing energy. Same thing with plants. The energy cycle in a plant is actually causing the plant to produce energy throughout the whole plant. So you're getting a conductivity because all the signaling, the uptake and downtake of nutrients and water and how pressures change within the plant, you know, to uptake different nutrients or if it needs water in a drought situation, like a lot of different stuff that's really happening with this. Yeah. And um, like oxidative, like is tying things up as well. So like when we hear about um, EC and like, oh, this nutrient, you know, you have too much salt. So it's tying this nutrient up. That's Locking in, it out. That's yeah. in an oxidated state, you know what I mean? So that's basically what you're trying to battle against in that sense is removing that oxidation. So the plant, when it's battling that, the, my understanding from all this is the plant is actually working harder. So instead of using, instead of using its photosynthesis and the energy it's collecting for other functions in the plant, it's having to put it out into the root zone to try to bring that oxidative thing into a homeostasis so that it can actually move the nutrient around like it needs to. And that's what it means when it's tied up is it's all, it's all tied up in that oxygen. So. Well, and here's the thing that all of us really need to comprehend and understand. Everything is literally chemistry that is happening. Some form of chemical signal that's happening, chemical reaction that's causing other chemical reactions in the plant to do different things. And really that's what this is coming down to is these reactive oxidative species are causing all these different chemical reactions and signaling through the plant that literally affects the whole plant homeostasis, the balance that the plant tries to bring to itself. So it's really interesting that for years we thought, hey, we can feed the plant. Then we started figuring out, no, it's really the soil biology. And now we're figuring out, well, wait a minute, this, these plants have a lot more happening within their salicylic, jasmonic, ethylene pathways that are affecting these different growths. And now we're starting to see how redox is tied in with all of it. And it, so it's really interesting, all this information that's been coming out just in the years that I've been cultivating cannabis, like, wow, you know, for people like me that want to dive deep into this information, man, that's why I tell you, like when I make my videos, I, I put out the information enough to make people want to go research it. Like, it's not my job to give you the information. It's my job to get you turned on to it, make you want to do the research and go look for it. Like Smiley, I've been sharing all kinds of articles with you since this whole Leighton deal talking about this. And it's like, Dude, there's so many articles about this. Like, I'm hoping you're sharing it with Leighton so he can read some of this information and yeah, kind of no, put it more I, two and two together. I have been throwing it around. I haven't shot him to Leighton yet. I should. 
Because so. I think he'll really like some of this because I think this is kind of filling in the gaps from the um, gentleman, Olivia Hussein. Olivia Hussain, yeah. Hussain. Uh, this is kind of filling in more of the gaps and not so much just the soil, but the plant and how redox works within the plant itself. Yeah. I see Major General asking a question. Um, is that what you're about to say, Eagle? The, uh, so yeah. And so my understanding of this, the Major General, that that reaction can take place both ways. But it's all about adding or, or taking away kind of those electrons. So the reduction, the reduction actually is an addition of electrons, where the oxidation is actually a removing of electrons. And that's my kind of mental picture of that. So, so if you're anaerobic, you're actually building these electrons. And that has to do with nitrification and denitrification cycles. So the, the biology that are typically in an anaerobic state, um, well, I guess maybe a better way to put it is in an anaerobic state, there isn't the oxygen to absorb the energy. So that energy is kind of getting built up. And if it gets built up too high, it's actually bad for the plant. That's why like if the pot stays wet too long, it's bad for it. But then there's that dry down cycle or those shifts in that. So constantly, the, the, the trouble I know that that uh, like Jack Greenstock and some and and the American one and some of these other guys too. I mean, we had these conversations in DMs, and they're not you know they're not ignorant to some of this information. But the problem that the, that we all have with it is like, okay, so now we have this cool minutiae information about how all this shit works, but how do you fucking apply it to the plant? And there's really okay. no way to measure that. You know, so can you guys see what, what I'm still sharing on this? The cellular redox signaling transduction. Yeah. That's everything you're looking for. Your coupled anti or your uh, oxidation reox and reduction reactions. Basically, this is everything you were asking about. It regulates gene expression, metabolism. Um, Basically, cells maintain redox homeostasis by a powerful complex of antioxidants. Um, this article actually gets into like how pretty much there's several parts of the cell itself that produces this. Um, operate biological signals that come. Uh, control various development programs based upon the statement. RSO can interact with specific target molecules with perceived within the elevation of RSO concentrate, um, which information into change of gene expression. So this can even get into change in gene expression within your plant. Yeah, there, there really is no, there's no known biological function that's not using this, this reaction in some form or fashion, no matter what you talk about, there's, there's a movement of that electron either giving or taking, and that's, that's signaling all these things to happen within the cell. 
So like, well, you can break it down really deep and, and go like, okay, so how does water move through a plant, you know? And, and uh, some of that's really interesting information. I mean, especially like when we talk about transpiration, most guys are talking about that, that fault flow of water through the plant. But then we always say, well, there's X amount or percentage of water that gets transpired, but we never talk about the little X percent that's getting used in the plant and how that's being used because that's the basis of this, this reaction that we're talking about where the plant can actually take that H2O and as it's taking it in through the root zone, it, it can either add an oxygen to it or it can remove a hydrogen from it. And it's constantly doing that to, to basically balance out whatever it needs. So in the form of nutrients. So I did see another question or a, a comment in, in chat and it's valid, valid comment. And I, and I totally agree, but an ion is an ion and it does, the plant doesn't care, but that's not exactly true because there's, there's these negative charged ions and there's these positively charged ions. So like, if you really want to get technical, it's the difference between nitrate and ammonia. In, in the nitrification process. And, and so nitrate is like NOH minus or NHO minus or whatever. And I'm totally fucking that up. Don't, don't write that down at all. But, but then like ammonia is, is, and if you look it up, it's a, it's a plus four at the end of the thing, whatever the NH, whatever, it's a plus four. And there's not that oxygen, oxygen on there. So basically, yeah, the form of nitrogen that you're watering your plant, and we talk about you watered in, you know, salt fertilizer, you, your nitrogen source is a nitrate, you, you're really oxidizing that whole root zone. And, and like what, what Matt explained earlier, when you're oxidizing, like what happens when you pour hydrogen peroxide in your cut, it stings and it bubbles up and it's, it's, it's a reaction that's happening. And that's exactly what happens to your biology in your root zone. And that's what they talk about when they say, well, your nitrogen fertilizers kill the biology in the root zone. It's because it's oxidative. So the ion does matter on how that is for the plant. Because well, that's... the plant has to balance that in a different way too, where it has to split that, that water molecule and it has to balance out that negative. So there's an extra process that has to happen for that plant to uptake nit that nitrate and use that nitrate in the form of making an amino acid. <laughs> well, and that's why a lot of us kind of living soil, organic growers talk shit to bottled nutrient cocoa type growers is because of when we understand the biology that they're destroying using these ingredients that's why we care so much it's like dude you're really just destroying the biology you're trying to build that's why we try to talk about getting away from and trying to grow in living soil more than doing hydroponics but you're never going to change the culture or the mindset of people until you actually teach them and they want to learn because people say they want to learn and listen but until they do apply it there's a, it's a different story because you hear a lot of times of growers, hey, I actually made the switch. And man, my whole grow is different since I switched. Yeah, you now you're understanding like this stuff here, 
all this stuff that's happening, you're canceling a lot of this from happening out because your plant's not actually having the redox signaling it's supposed to have. It's not having the biology to interact with the biology of the plant to interact. Like that's where a lot of, I say the, the gene expression in the plant where some growers that can't get the taste to come out is that's some of the issue. It's just not getting that expression of the terpene, the metabolites to come out. Well, I just, I just want to kind of make a declarative statement just because I don't think it's very fair to say that just being organic is this form or just being, because so, so like urea, for example, is actually totally different and hydrous ammonia. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I didn't, re, I haven't researched companies and, and, and bottles and, and whatever, but, but most of them, to my understanding, come in a nitrate and then like CalMag is calcium nitrate, magnesium nitrate, you know what I'm saying? So like there are right. a lot of them are in that nitrate form. And then the, I don't know why, but I would imagine there are certain ones that are used in different forms of nitrogen. Like, um, for example, I, I, in my understanding, ammonia is more of a, uh, a feminine side, so to speak, of the nitrogen source where, you know, so like nitrate, nitrate. Yeah, but so like what I'm getting at is maybe when you have a veg A and a B, it's a more of a nitrate. And when you go to a bloom A and a B, it's more of an ammonia based kind of thing. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just kind of throwing a bone out there to guys that do hydro. Like maybe these are some understandings you can use when you're looking at, well, what what nutrient am I going to run? Well, I don't know what what's in it. You know what I mean? Like some of those things you read a bunch of times and you don't. You know, I mean, or you hear the term for it, um, the MPK or whatever, that's the real common one too, is the monopotassium, whatever, monopotassium phosphate or whatever it is. But they, but that's kind of the abbreviation for it. Those are your bloom boosters that guys will add commonly. But understanding the reaction, yeah, it's fucking important, I think. I don't know. It's like reading more of this article, it even got gets into talking how redox oxidative uh, uh, reactive oxidative species affect sex pollen and the sterility of the male pollen. Um, it talks about how um, gibberellic acid GA um, and RSO kind of play vital roles and how these plants germinate and grow and. It's just so deep. Um, talk about some of the key roles in vegetative parts and development. Like, there's so much to understanding with redox that this itself has a ton of information. It's basically getting back into plant physiology and understanding how the plant works. Like that whole lecture series I sent you, Smiley, it's like you're learning that whole lecture series and that's what Redox is about. Yeah. Like there's just so much information to it that because that's it affects. Uh, that's been connecting a lot of dots for me because like I hate that. That's the one thing I, I get frustrated with is there's like this little nugget of info 
And then there's, you know what I mean? A week later you find this other little nugget of info. And then it's like over the accumulation of finding all these little nuggets, things just start to kind of click in your head. Well, wait, Um, you know, those were the light bulb moments that for me were kind of like, you know, Oh, so water, water itself. Yeah. Wet. You know what I mean? If I'm running (sighs) my pot wet, my plants probably going to be, you know, that nitrification is probably going to be swinging in this direction. Or if my plant dried out, you know, I mean, this may have taken place because I'm going to create a more oxidative role. And it just kind of gives you some understanding of like, say you see a plant deficiency and your plant and you, and right away our thoughts like, well, it's deficient. I'm going to add something, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe now your thought might go, well, wait a minute that kind of makes sense because two days ago the pot was really dry the plant went to you know it didn't really wilt but man that thing was fucking really light and it went longer than it should have and then it might click in your head maybe i don't really need to do anything maybe i already fixed the problem by by getting the pot wet you know what i'm saying like those were some of the light bulb moments for me like like aha like maybe this is why you saw that other thing happen or you know well, okay, so a couple things. We were just talking about nitrate and nitrite. Well, this article I have now pulled up, origins of ox- reactive oxidative species in natural water gets back into nitrate and nitrite. NO3, NO2, like yeah. this article gets into more about it being in fresh water and the reactive species, oxidative species within water itself and how it comes about and what's happening. Um, talk about the photochemistry. Uh, it like, it just gets into so much and it's just not in the plants and not in the soil. It's in the water too. Like it's almost a part of everything that life deals with. Like it's in, it's so interesting. Well, this is part of what makes water really amazing is like, um, I mean, it, it's got all these magical properties, right? Like it, it, uh, it expands when it freezes, it's, you know, and there's just different uh-huh. parts about it, but a lot of it has to do with that, that covalent bond, which I guess kind of to break it down, but a covalent bond is a sharing of of an electron in those rings so not to get too complicated with it but basically that's a sharing of that so those hydrogens are sharing that when that plant splits the one hydrogen away to do whatever reaction it wanted to do with the other that's why the other side is negative it took that that kind of hydrogen or whatever like maybe i said that wrong i said that wrong the hydrogen went with the other (laughs) Okay, so you know how uh, Leighton was talking about dissolved oxygen, right? Okay, well, this gets into dissolved organic matter. Yeah. And how it represents the largest pool of reduced carbon in the biosphere. So it's talks, it gets down to where it's talking about halon ions um, in the surface water converting to reactive halogen species. Um, which take a part in the degradation of organic substances. Yep. Yeah. So, so certain biologies operate, and and that was kind of something I understood too, is that they operate 
in certain ranges of this eh so in a, in a, if you look at it in aerobic versus anaerobic sense like nitrogen fixation only kind of happens in a certain range on that scale and what they're talking about that is that conversion from like nitrate to ammonia denitrification i believe goes the other way so the <laughs> way of that reaction that's going to happen and take place based on the the water so what Leighton was getting at with dissolved oxygen and why that's really important when you're watering in if you think of it in that that sense you're you're creating that anaerobic environment for however long that's saturated right it, you, you create yeah. it. but if, if within that anaerobic environment you have you're all these oxygen. other extra oxygen molecules you've actually watered in like a homeostasis into that where reactions that need to happen can happen because the energy is available to move to make that happen it, it not only needs the electrons but it needs the the, the oxygen and it and it's not just one or the other to look at it's the it's the interplay between the two because that's the movement where that electron's moving is what's important for the health of the plant, you know? Right. And see, it, this some of uh, it gets into like where it talks about dissolved organic matter, nitrate, and nitrite are important photosynthesizers in natural waters, which can generate a series of reactive species, which is talking about OH, O, O2 and O2 negative. Um, it's pretty interesting how they talk about, they create different oxygen species to handle other oxygen species as well. It's, it, it's just really interesting to me, like, how do I want to describe it? Me being an electrician, it's like, you understand how electric flows, but then when you get in a car, you're taught it actually, it flows differently. So AC kind of flows, you know, in a wave and it goes from <clears throat> positive to negative from the way we understand it. Well, in DC, I was taught the way the energy in a car runs is from the negative to the positive. Yep. And so that's what it's, this is like, it's like, wait a minute. I was always taught this, but now I have to relearn this because this is kind of saying that this kind of controls a little bit more of things happening than what I was understanding before. And it's just like so much information to me that literally it's a lot of sorting out and understanding because most of what we're really trying to do is understand how we can make this work or how it affects our plants to grow. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. Like, I don't want to get up and be like, oh, I know all these big words and cool. Yeah. And, you know, um, so back to that, you were talking about an automotive battery, and that might be a pretty good analogy because my brain functions that that's my background, right? So my understanding of electronics is all from the automotive world. And even, even when I recall, like, back in the college days of learning, learning a lot of this stuff from the beginning there was always electron theory and there was proton theory uh -huh. and that is exactly the differences on some of that stuff but um but yeah in a different sense i guess because 
here we can have a variable of that conductivity too. Where in a metal, you know, across the copper wire, that conductivity is kind of the same. So that's where the difference comes in. But so when you were talking back to EC, I did have a, uh, another brain fart about that one. So um, Leighton mentioned this is electrical conductivity. Olivier Hussan speaks of it in a term of called biological conductivity. And what, what he was relaying there, or kind of my understanding of that is, is um, biological function is what is actually moving that conductivity because that conductivity is the ability to move those electrons, right? So that so biology being there and functioning and doing their life cycles and breaking apart iron and making it available and, and all those things are actually where that, that's that conductivity of that energy that needs to happen. And that was my understanding. So when Olivier said biological conductivity and then I heard Leighton say EC, it was kind of the click in my brain was like, oh, I fucking get it. The biology is what's driving the conductivity of that circuit. You know what I mean? Well, just think of your body, your skin, for an example. Your skin can be used to conduct electricity. How do we know that? Say you get, you have one of those zappers, the shock, uh, what is that? Um, Little volt deal, you know, if somebody's going to attack it, you can use it on them. So you hit somebody with, what is it, like 80,000 volts, whatever. It doesn't kill them because there's no amperage to it. It's just voltage. Well, if you have something in between your skin and that device, it's not going to work as effective as your skin itself. So because of all the nerve endings in our skin, it's like the plant having all these different nerve endings throughout the plant. Every chemical reaction causes some type of energy production. And that's where we're getting these readings of electric conductivity across different plant tissue. Because everything sends signals through some type of chemical reaction. Same thing in our bodies. So that's how we're getting these measurements and being able to read it in millivolts because it, it's not a lot for voltage, but it's detectable. And that's where my understanding, you know, from being an electrician for years is that's where we're getting the, the EC and able to kind of get a measurement of it. And why some of it's happening is when these plants are sending the signals throughout it for it to, you know, saying, hey, I, I need more of this nutrients. Hey, we have a bug attacking us and we need to now start sending some different chemicals to the plant to help defend itself. Like it's all different signals through the plant. That's why we're all having these different type of signals that are detectable. I, you guys, to me, EC, the electric conductivity of the plant is the same thing I can, to me, understand reading through millivolts and seeing the voltage that the plant's producing. You actually are doing that? You're reading that? You can. 
<laughs> there's ways I'd have to pull some of it up, but there's ways and you have to have a meter that reads down in millivolts, not most meters that you have, they read just in voltage and they don't read in millivolts. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of questions in chat. Okay. I, just, I do want to kind of throw this out. Grose, man, I mean, he's throwing out names of the biology and all that. That's perfect. And in the kind of like the broader scheme of that, and in the, in the answer I threw in chat, one and one is aerobic. And, and basically, the microorganisms that are fixing the nitrogen operate at a certain level of anaerobic versus aerobic, which is that, that EH or whatever. So the anaerobic ones, I believe, are what are actually the nitri nitrogen fixing, where the aerobic ones are kind of moving it the other way from what we necessarily Well. So that's something I was going to get into. Um, look at the gas exchange, anaerobic versus aerobic. When there is not enough anaerobic bacteria in the soil, you start to get that sulfur rotten egg smell because it's no longer breaking things down, but it's now in a gas form and not so much um, how do I want to say it in a soluble form or in a form that the plant can take up? Well, and it's, it's the, how the biology functions in the absence of oxygen and releasing that gas. It's right. A, it's a different react. It's a different way. They're they're The reaction to it. That reaction is causing a release of like methane versus the other way it would cause a release of CO2. Right. Like, Kind of how that goes but so but that to me was interesting too because uh i think i said this was with latent too but we'll add azos for you know the bacterias and stuff but then you know i mean our, our watering schedule will really matter whether that biology can either even do the function it's there to do for us you know or what we think it's doing so watering critical and proper photosynthesis was critical and to me it's kind of like it kind of goes back to that thing where like the more you learn the more you learn that you gotta learn you know what i mean like it's just the the, the, the more you think you know the less you really know yeah and then the more you learn then you then the more it makes sense why people would say statements like a healthy plant makes healthy soil or statements like you know, if you're feeding your plant nitrogen, it's the biology is not going to be there to do that that for you. Well, you know, that was just the explanation for that. You you change you change the oxidation state basically in the soil to where that biology can't function the way that it's it needs to be. It's not in the right environment to do the job it needs to do. Well, you know, and it's pretty interesting, like there's some other things that when we get into redox that there's some other type of signaling, what was it, quorum, Q-O-U-R-U-M signaling, and then there's another type of signaling that all really kind of work together, like I was surprised at how much signaling goes on in a plant 
like you have uptake and downtake of nutrients you have signaling for photosynthesis and energy production you have signaling for transpiration of the stomata to open and close for oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange like there's just so much that goes on in a plant that it's it's just amazing that how deep the physiology and biology of a plant is like humans. Like if you really look at how humans function, literally we're just a bunch of microorganisms working together in a symbiotic relationship and we're just water and all these cells together. Well, you know, it's like- In the biophysical sense, we're just a circuit board moving electrons around. And that's the same thing like what a plant is, is all these circuits within this plant that are working and functioning together and redox affects it all. Yeah, the understanding of the reaction, I mean, that's kind of where, it, to me, it gets a little deep on it. You know, it's like, you know, do you need to understand the reaction? No, you know what I mean? Can you grow plants without understanding it? Yeah. You know, do you, do you run into a problem one day and want to understand why? Yeah, and then you start looking into it, you know what I mean? So. Well, and that's the thing, like people yeah, want to know. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, I was told I can use hydrogen peroxide to spray as a foliar spray on my plant. I can kind of feed it in my water when I feed my plants. Well, here's, here's the reason why you want to, and we're giving you that information. It's just going down a deeper rabbit hole then. Hey, just spray it on your plants. And that's what I look at. Like a lot of people want to know more of plant physiology, plant botany, how things work, how they function, because they want to know how to grow the best plant possible. So if I'm able to get my plant everything it needs and function in a complete balance and get the best gene expression, that's ultimately what all of us are trying to do. Home growers to big cultivators, that's what we're all trying to do. So I just want to kind of piggyback on this uh, for peroxide thing. So my understanding of peroxide being oxidative, because um, I've heard of this done in, uh, I know it's really common for, for deep water culture or whatever, but so I was listening to John Kemp talk about one and there was a farm that was like battling fusarium. And their thought on battling the fusarium was kind of along the the hydro thought is, well, okay, let's throw H2O2 in there. We'll kill all the fusarium. But what he was saying is that the, the opposite reaction happened and they actually caused the fusarium to thrive in doing that process. So um, what he was getting at there is that that oxidizing in the soil actually created the environment for that biology to thrive. So so um, a reducing, um, a plant that's re exudates are reducing are actually kind of like fighting away from an area where they're gonna be susceptible to that. But in an oxidized root zone, and all the understanding I've seen or research and stuff, it kind of leaves you in a zone where you're more susceptible for root pathogens and for fungal pathogens even powdery mildew, 
that you would see up on the leaves is kind of tied to that that oxidation state in the root zone, so to speak. So just some thought there about peroxide. I don't know if I've never used it personally. I don't know if that's whatever, if that's the case, but um, but in this case, for that particular story, it, it had the opposite effect and actually made it made the pathogen worse. So. Well, and that's where I would kind of understand it as that's one microbiology that likes a highly oxygenated environment where if it can have oxygen in a form, it's going to just explode the, you know, make the conditions right where it just explodes with life. Where if it's like bacillus, a strand of bacillus where it's an anaerobe, it can go in there and completely destroy most of the colony. I guess I kind of saw it dawned on me a little different than that where so like when you talk about antioxidant and you talk mm -hmm. about uh, for our health or our biology so another way of looking at that too is like oxidation is kind of like the death of that and then the antioxidant is kind of the life of that so right when it's really oxidized that way it puts the right opportunity for a pathogen like a saprophytic or not saprophyte, but they're actually uh, pathogenic. They feed on the plant, right? Mm -hmm. the plant, when the plant root zone is oxidized, it's actually in a weaker state of health, so to speak. So it's more susceptible for that, that pathogen to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And that's where, how do I say it? Almost like we've talked about plant or organisms biology microbiology organisms that are beneficial that can become parasitic in a sense yeah and that to me would be something that can be one of those deals where it's beneficial but then it's actually parasitic where it almost becomes where it's too much for the plant in a sense okay like trichoderma for a great example Small amounts of trichoderma are great for the soil, but too much of it can be detrimental. Where trichoderma can eat almost all of the available nutrients in the soil up if they're out of control and nothing to control them. But in the other case where you're using a small amount of trichoderma where the colonies aren't getting out of control and you have other species to help keep the trichoderma in check, then it's beneficial. And that's kind of the same thing with redox. Well, it's the it's balance. species. What's that? It's the balance of things. So like if you were just totally ignorant to the fact that, you know, okay, I have this powdery mildew, for example. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they just, we just told you what oxidation state, it's an oxidized root zone that's going to create the environment for that to happen even though it shows up on the leaf. And we always talk about fucking humidity for all that, right? So mm -hmm. if said, hey, I got powdery mildew, the first fucking topic we all go to is, well, what's your humidity? What's your temperature and whatever? Where this is actually saying, no, what the fuck's happening down in your root zone? And I think fundamentally, we've all realized that before too. It's what the fuck's happening down in the root zone is controlling what the fuck's happening above the plant. You know what I mean? 
but that real is those kind of realizations were like the light bulb moments for me in this topic was like holy fuck i can address powdery mildew by by trying to address the biology to increase the bioconductivity in the soil that's going to create a better environment that'll eliminate my fucking issue with powdery mildew like that's actual tactical shifts in what you're doing in your feeding or in your way you're fertigating the plant or whatever you're doing to actually address a problem you know see here's another one uh another kind of little diagram on redox uh, what's happening within the cell and the mitochondria itself and how much effects when you look at the H2O2 and the O2 and the ROS that's all occurring and this is just one cell and the mitochondria is actually producing and can produce these oxygenative species but look what's happening through all this, through the chloroplast, through your mitochondria, through the cell walls, how there's an exchange. There's that NADPH energy cycle that's happening with O2. There's your cation channels in, your K out. So it's affecting a lot. Look at that protein oxidization, lipid pre, what's that? Uh, I can't even pre-oxidization mm -hmm. and then DNA damage that, yeah, the redox can cause DNA damage to plants. And that's one thing we need to understand that if we use too much, it could literally kill our plants, you know, using too much um, hydrogen peroxide or like a living molecule of redox. But it's really interesting seeing a lot of these uh, little graphs, little pictures kind of to help better understand, wow, there's a lot going on in just that cell. And that's not talking the pathways of the plant or the other ways it's affecting the plant. Yeah, and it affects it. so it affects it in concentration levels too. So some of the ways... Um, like we've heard of osmosis before, right? And osmosis right. is kind of one of the ways water moves through a plant. Uh, it, it goes through the, the plant cells in a basic sense, right? Well, that osmosis actually takes place through different concentration levels. So if, if sugar is concentrated in one, it's always trying to balance that throughout the cells so that that, that exchange can happen as a form of trying to balance that that equation, but that's just part of the way it's moving shit through the planet, you know? Not trying well, to that, into the... No, and that's what it's saying, basically, is redox is basically helping the homeostasis of the plant. Yeah. And that's what it's supposed to... How do I want to say it? Like, the same thing with the jasmonic ethylene and salicylic pathways. It's just not metabolite pathways, but it's also helping bring the homeostasis to the plant, especially if the plant's being attacked. How can we fight off things that are attacking us, but not destroy ourselves? Yeah. So like in the sense of, uh, um, 
try to not trying to hammer on this, but it's what I understand the best. But like in the sense of a nitrate, that plant would have to split more water molecules to convert that. So it's going from that minus to a positive and it's doing that it's robbing the energy to make that into ammonia which has to happen before nitrogen synthesis can happen so now the plant is going to use four times the amount of water that it would if it was absorbing that ammonia and that was uh, kind of interesting too in the fact like you know that could affect your your watering and all that too what form of nitrogen but the real kicker for me on some of that was uh when we started talking about amino acids so a lot of us understand amino acids in the form of like you know harley smith talking about them and and the l chain amino acids and man it triggers you know thousand times the uptake of calcium and all these things but what what kind of dawned on me a little bit there is that the biology can make these amino acids as well. And, and the biology is really, like when we talk about the plant giving out root exudates to get the, you know, the microbes to mine the minerals, you know what I mean? Like that's what, in a, in a transitional sense, trying to relate all this information, that's what we're talking about is the plant is, is putting out those sugars, which is that energy source or those electrons that the biology is, is using that energy to mine those minerals in its normal life process. So it's kind of like that biology uses that to, it uses calcium to make its own cells. You know what I'm saying? It uses all these things, nitrogen to do its own processes. And in the, and in the release of that, is forming my, uh, these microbial metabolites or the biofilms that, that they release. Well, those biofilms are available for that plant to take up when it wants. And that's where we're talking about in organics where the plant can feed as it wants to because it has these biofilms. But the important part about the biofilm versus a, a, you know, like a, a normal nutrient mix or a hydrotype mix is that those biofilms are actually in a form of amino acids and other compounds that the that that plant can readily uptake. So now what what happened when the plant can uptake an amino acid is it just skipped a whole line of its processing within itself to where it can use that energy now to make different terpenoids, different flavonoids, different secondary metabolites because it's, it's primary metabolites are being handled by the biology so that it has enough energy to make secondary metabolites. And that's kind of my basic understanding of where the possible difference might lie, where people are like, well, to the plant, the nutrients are all the same, right? I, I give it night NP and K and, and your biology, your, your top dress in your NP and K and just, it's just taking a little longer to process where I can make adjustments on the fly. But what I'm kind of hinting at is there's a little deeper difference to that than just well, what we take at the surface, you know? And, and there is, because a plant is trying to create homeostasis, a balance within itself. 
And for it to do that, it has to have different micro and macronutrients and just not nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. It's going to need boron. It's going to need lead. It's going to need arsenic. It's going to need these toxic heavy metals to actually function properly. And a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? No, honestly, these plants need these to function, to create certain functions within a plant. And it, it doesn't have to be a lot. Like you might, you know, most people are like, what do you mean? You're saying it needs heavy metals. It needs boron. It needs arsenic to function for certain plant functions to happen. It, you know, it might be micro grams or micro milligrams of these trace nutrients, but they still need them to actually create certain functions to happen within the plant, just like you as a human. If you're drinking soda all day long, you're not quite getting a good water source. You're getting all the sugar in. Well, you're going to start getting dehydrated, but you think you're drinking water, you know, or a liquid. Well, you're not getting hydrated. It's kind of similar. You have to still take in water, even though you're drinking other fluids. Your body needs all these different nutrients to actually function properly. Uh, in a basic sense, med too, isn't that why some drinks can make you more like diuretic where you're like thirsty? So if you drank salt water, you're getting more thirsty every time. Well, it's having that op opposite effect where you've actually caused your body to have to need more water to drink. You know what I'm saying? And, and sugar, sugar, water, soda, coffee, teas, diuretics. Yep. They make you more thirsty dehydrated at times than actually hydrating you yes so and uh so like um apple cider vinegar this was another one that that kind of rang in my head so uh people drink that like eagle does this all the time which grosses me out but you can drink the for health benefits right it's an antioxidant right. well what is that doing well it's bringing fresh electrons into your system like like when you you know people take shots of it or whatever and they're like oh man it energizes me well fuck yeah it actually did like you know what i mean like it actually fucking did like it brought electrons into your fucking system like it actually did that's why too like if you look at what a um an easy battery to make would be like vinegar and like baking soda. Orange and, juice. Yeah, you know what I mean? You, you basically yeah. have your acid and you have your base and it's gonna move electrons from the acid over to that base or whatever. It's kind of the same, it's, it, they're not directly tied, but they're, they do affect each other, EH and pH, the redox oxidation and acidic and alkalinity, but they're just, perceived on a different scale if that's the I don't, I don't know it's an x and a y axis basically is what it is yes just look at ph we're just looking at the y axis and we're trying to figure out how that's going to graph out in our curve well you you know to really grasp what's happening in that curve you need the x and the y axis of that graph you know and that's what it's adding it's adding that depth to the understanding of what's going on 
and that's where to me like trying to explain everything that redox signaling redox molecules redox is it's just so in depth that trying to get it to understand for the normal home grower to understand what we're talking about it's kind of difficult at times to break it down to simple terms because how much it affects the plant. It's like saying, hey, you can live on without drinking water, but you're only going to live so long. You can live without this redox signaling, but you're only going to live so long. Why? Because it actually helps your body stay in balance. It well, helps. I don't, I don't think that's putting it right though, Meta. I think it's happening whether we realize it or not. It's responsible for every biological function that's going on in our brain and our body. Now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Yeah. Basis of all signaling within the plant. It's how it's how we move nutrients through our body. It's how plants do. It's how biology in the soil does. It's like it's yeah, like like Olivier said, there's not a there's not a biological function on the planet that we don't know of that we can't associate this oxidation reaction to. See, and some of this article that I have right here, it talks a little bit about um, how AHA directly controls uh, autoplastic pH, uh, which affects different enzymatic mechanics mechanisms within a plant cell wall and so like that's how deep this is going with ph eh how it affects different parts of the plant to have different biological biological functions to happen throughout throughout the rest of the plant it's it's just so it's like this is your lungs you take in oxygen oxygen gets spread out through the rest of your bodies into your cell you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's so hard to, to just label this as like one thing, but it's its own entity of a plant. And that's what really it is. It's its own system that really affects every other system in the plant. Yeah. So back to uh, the idea of like powdery mildew. I don't know how true this is as far as like how the pathogen functions or any of that, but in thought of uh, that soil being in an oxidative state, it, the, the plant's gonna be trying to balance that. And maybe it's just a matter of like, it's always trying to bring it into that balance that it needs because that's how things have to operate. So if it's in oxidative state, the plant's constantly trying to reduce that. And um, one of the light bulb things I touched on earlier is that photosynthesis is where that energy is actually happening. So photosynthesis is a reducing reaction to my understanding of that. So it's so here let's creating electrons is basically what it's doing. Let's let's look at it like this, Smiley. Let's call it oxidative stress because that's a true name. When a plant has this oxidation going it's oxidative stress that's happening yeah. stressing the plant out killing cells 
damaging the plant, the DNA, damaging tissue, damaging the biology in the root zone, where the reactive side of it is now we're healing, repairing, bring it back to the balance it's supposed to be to function properly. Well, so that's true in a certain sense, because if you become too reduced, it's bad. And if you become too oxidized, it's bad. So kind of like if you're too wet, one or the other it's a matter of this, this yin and yang of the two, because it's, it's, it's how the plant's functioning. And, and, and it's not whether the plant's going to uptake only ammonia or only nitrate. It, the plant's constantly taking up both and, it, and it's in this rate and this ebb and flow of, of life. So like kind of where, so where this got really important for soil structure, just kind of back to the compacted soil, what dawned on me with that soil structure is that when you look at Albrecht's system, and I don't have a cool up post of this, but Albrecht is the guy that studied the, the um, base saturation that we, we've heard guys talking about soil tests now. Well, that base saturation is basically talking about those clay colloids that are part of the sand, silk, and clay in the soil. Clay typically has that negative charge, so it's going to hold cations. Clay has a lot to do with your cation exchange rate. It's the ability of that to hold that cation. So now if you have a higher cation exchange rate in the soil, it means you have more of those negative kind of ions or clay particles to hold a lot of these cations, which is like calcium. Um, I'm not even going to try to list it. I'd fuck it up. But they're, they're basically the positive charged ions. The well, ions are like the, the negative whatever ones. If you look at this picture I pulled up, look at how the cations are working. External sources pulling in, functioning through the cell wall, plasma membrane, coming out, creating what? O2, H2O2. And look at the exchange. Yeah, it's exchanging negatives for positives, positives for negatives. I don't. I think it matters less just to understand like the individual formulas. That's great information just because it solidifies it. But just as a a broader kind of layman's understanding of it, it's it's exchanging these electrons. And this is what yeah, this is what we've been talking about. RSO reactive oxygenated species pH and cation uptake. Is that calcium, isn't that? Yep. C CA, plus CA. So CA plus two, and that's that's kind of, so this might be over some, some people said, I don't know, but how depth you've got into like nutrient uptake. But if, you, if you've gone through like teaming with nutrients, for example, is a great, right. um, but, but Jeff Lowenfels talks about how that cation, that CA plus two, the plant is exchanging the two negatives to offset that positive so that it can bring that in. So it's always the plants shifting that balance to accomplish the work that it wants. And it, and it, yeah, it's deep because it's like, it's dealing with thermal, you know, thermal stuff. It's dealing with magnetic stuff. It's dealing with a lot of it, but 
kind of my brain kind of goes to that electric flow of it and under trying to well sense you know okay so looking down here when we're looking at this when it's talking about the relationships look at this this is like a sine wave electrical sine wave for ac especially if you were on a three phase it's real similar you know what i'm saying like look at the electric that's frequency yeah, the frequency of how plants are working with this relationship. Like, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, now Eagle's going to pop in. We said frequency. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I told you. I told you frequency is at the bottom of everything. <laughs> it is. Honestly, everything is a frequency. Everything, light, sound, water, everything's a frequency. And people don't understand that it's different frequencies that like how we see different light waves and hear different sound frequencies. It's, it's so deep. Yeah. So what I was getting at though, that soil structure and what Albrecht, Albrecht, I don't think kind of came to this conclusion, but he understood enough about the band. I mean, he's the one that brought that balance to light of like, how much calcium is parked on the cation exchange spots. And that's what that base saturation is talking about in the soil test is how much, you know, each, each individual, one of them cations is going to give you a parts per million, or it's going to give you a percentage in there. And there's these, there's these green zones that they kind of want to see that in. And the reason a lot of that has to do with that conductivity and that, that ability for, those exchanges to happen properly in the soil um, and the structure of that soil and those clay colloids being able to function. So when Leighton was talking about how biology will get in there and it'll make the clay colloids where, where they're like individual discs. So if you can picture them like Frisbees, they would lay flat on each other because of their, their polarity. They'll have a positive kind of negative thing and they'll lay flat on each other. Where the biology, when it builds the aggregate, it's getting in there and it's actually making that, if you were to look at it structurally, it's gonna make it stand this way and then stand this way. And it would look more like a brick structure. Right. All of them laying flat in this compaction or whatever. But, but that, that ability for that to stand that up if you can think in your mind's eye that that aggregate on a micro scale is going to have the ability to have anaerobic and aerobic zones all the way through it whether you're watering it or whether it's kind of drying out or or whatever stage that pot is in so like when we were looking at that as far as like watering there can be a dramatic shift in that if you're trying to measure the millivolts from when you watered it and it's in a really saturated state to when it's in a really dry state. And that's where some of the unreliable information. So even if you're measuring the millivolts, they're not exactly always usable information because they, they change so rapidly and that, that stuff can happen so rapidly based on whether it's anaerobic or aerobic in that zone but what happens uh so we've talked to people understand buffering a little i mean you've heard the term whether you understand it or not but heard the term buffering and we we talk about that in the sense of ph 
and we're going to buffer the pH. And, it, and a lot of times people think of that as the, uh, you know, going more alkaline in the pH or whatever. But buffering is actually kind of controlling the swings from high to low in that pH. And in an EH, that term is called poison. So when we have really good aggregate structure, it allows water to infiltrate through with the amount of air that it needs so that the biology can do what it needs. But it's actually, um, it's actually buffering the swings from, from anaerobic to aerobic. So it's, it's kind of has that poisoning effect or buffering effect on that reaction. Damn straight, we did a dab hit. And you don't have to share your screen. I don't know if you still were or whatever. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm letting most of the people in the audience kind of read this information so they can read some of it for themselves and see that I'm just not talking like out the side of my ass. Like there's a lot of information about this. Like this one's talking about cell expansion and the final size of like leaf size and the cells of leaves and how basically the final size of the organ is controlled by these reactive oxygen native species homeostasis uh, as modulated by certain enzymes. And so it's really interesting to see how much this is what that's affecting leaf, leaf cell size, leaf size, root zone, oxen, cytokines, it's the GA, gibberellic acid, like, wow, man, this is really affecting a whole lot of this plant. And that's the one thing that I really am trying to get more people to understand. And that's why, you know, when you reach out to me, it's like, yeah, dude, man, there's so much to this that I really want people to understand that it really is part of the plant and it's more than just the soil and it's, it's like, it's its own entity of the plant, like the endocannabinoid system of you, you know, that's kind of what it, it is. It reminds me of like, nobody knew about it. And then all of a sudden, what? We have an endocannabinoid system and it works like our lymphatic system and along with our lymphatic system and nervous system. And it brings a what? Homeostasis, a balance to every part of our body that's what this redock is like for the plant. It's like it's endocannabinoid system. It really functions and works with every part of the plant. It's so deep, so deep. So yeah, man, I, you know, that was, uh, I guess the bird's eye view on it. Honestly, it's not a topic that, that we're gonna be able to convey in a, I mean, this is taking me months, man. Like I've been digging on this for months and months. And like Med said, he's digging on it for a year. You know what I mean? And it's kind of just one of them rabbit holes that does take you a little further. But, you know, where what's the takeaway? You know, where's the understanding of that? I mean, even to, like. So for, for the human. So let's talk about this real quick. Yeah. The ASEA, the patented redox living molecule supplement that I, I distribute. There's a lot of science behind it and the information behind it that as humans, they're cons we're consuming this. We're now drinking two to four ounces of this product a day. It's helping 
our body, I'll, I'll re-life share this, um, but it's helping our body repair and it's acting like an antioxidant pulling out free radicals out of our body and helping our body heal. So there are athletes in the UFC. Um, there are triathletes that take this uh, gentleman's named Rich Roll. They run several triathletes a year, triathlons a year that actually drink and take the supplement as part of their regiment for recovery. So it's really interesting that once upon a time, how we thought it's to be so destructive. Now we're actually taking it and using it to heal and repair our bodies. So now we're seeing it. You're on, you're, you're muted smiley. I was going to say when you're the, you're the fitness guy, but when, when your muscles fatigue and they burn, that burning is actually lactate acid buildup acid oxidizing right like it's yeah i don't know so yeah i mean it's kind of the some of those things translate into so much where you're like huh that fucking makes sense why it burns it's fucking oxidized like and that's where like this is so interesting how far across like from plants to humans and animals how much redock molecules work through living systems Yeah, so no, Amer I'm reading chat. American one says, so how does one ensure your plant has the best redox going on? Knowing about it doesn't help the plant at all. Action of some sort is needed. So, Well, the plant itself actually controls that. It keeps itself in balance. It produces these reactive oxygen species throughout the cells itself. Um, Tao, if you go into our chat that we have, there's a lot more information I've shared recently since the last time you were in there. And it's the same information I've shared with you, Smiley, and kind of what I've been sharing live screen. Um, a lot of this article really talks about it. So you might be able to find that information in that. Well, I guess so to answer your question there, American one, that's kind of what I've been racking my brain around, right? So now we're talking about this thing in soil that we can't even fucking measure and we're supposed to understand how it's supposed to work for it, right? Well, and that's kind of why I was breaking down the soil structure in the aggregate because for one, that poising is going to be really important because you're not going to get as big a swings when you're, when you're, when you're watering the media or if you're fertigating it. Um, you're not going to, it's going to poise that swing during that cycle. The plants will be able to, the soil will be able to uptake all the stuff with oxygen, all that. But um, the photosynthesis is driving that. So now when you think of, okay, I have a soil that's oxidized, right? It's, and if you start thinking in the sense of, well, what's it lacking when it's oxidized? It's lacking those electrons that needs energy built into it. So maybe, maybe a, an approach would be, okay, maybe now's a good time to throw a good cover crop in there and understand the effects of what what's that cover crop doing well it's more photosynthesis happening it's putting more energy into the soil what's it going to do it's going to start to reduce that oxidized soil 
it's going to work in the direction that you want to go in. So, so I guess from my best in the recollection or how I'm using the information is in light of something like that, where I'm going, okay, I, I see these signs. I know that I'm probably in this kind of an area because I'm seeing these signs. Now, what are some things I can do to correct that? And what I just laid out there with a potential scenario where you would want to maybe add a, a cover crop, you know, well, that might be a whole different direction than what whatever deficiency you saw in the plants and whatever top dressing you were going to add, right? Because that's what we all do is we add to the system. When we see something wrong, we just add more shit. Well, now instead of adding more shit, maybe you do think along that line of like, well, hold on, you know, if this, so like iron is a really great one, I think too. So if iron is lacking, it's in the wrong oxidation state. It's not lacking in the soil. It's not lacking anywhere else. It's, it's just strictly in the wrong oxidation state. So now- And here's what this article talks about iron and how it can turn off or on the regulation of iron uptake with this redox signaling. So it's really interesting that it goes that deep that it can change the regulation or uptake of different nutrients. Yeah. Well, iron was one example. Um, what is iron? It's Fe positive three. And I want to say magnesium, manganese, not magnesium, manganese was the, was another one. And manganese has like a, a really high plus charge. So like when it comes to oxidation or reduction, like iron and manganese were kind of the first ones to get affected by that. They were kind of the more responsive. So like if, in a case of an iron one, you would probably be more in an oxidated state where you would want to go in that direction of reducing, you know? So basically Tal, this article even states right here, the exact nature of RSO or ROS signaling network largely remains a mystery. Like they still don't understand this. Even though we're going down and trying to explain this, it's still not fully understood in the scientific plant botany physiology world. Yeah. But does it make sense what I'm saying? I mean, some of the ways we can apply the understanding of it, like, you know, I, I guess I was, I was actually going to light on this and it's a topic I don't, I understand it, but I don't dive into it too much, but like, like cocoa growers and Eagle, maybe you can touch on this, but um, the idea of like continuing, to, like always having that media saturated. Well, what's that doing is it's trying to reduce it. Well, what is a lot of your, your fertilizer that you're mixing with the water is oxidative you know what i mean so it's kind of makes sense that you would want to try to have it kind of saturated and more reduced well that's why i like the cocoa mine the chunky cocoa is that's the constantly pushing the oxygen through the, my medium there is that it's not necessarily saturated all the time but i get to water every day and push fresh oxygen through my soil is or my cocoa i should say i don't want to insult you uh soil guys uh 
but to push it through the medium to get uh, fresh oxygen through my roots every day and not necessarily be in a uh, stagnant uh, state, almost like soil would be rats sitting in for like a week or so without the, the fresh oxygen supply. That's kind of what I'm thinking when I use the chunky chunky cocoa is that heavy aeration and me constantly pushing new oxygen to the root zone. Okay. <laughs> well, and that's, I'm you true. know. I, I'm here listening. I'm just trimming while you guys, listening and learning while you guys are uh, blowing my brain with what you guys are laying down. So. I don't know how much. <laughs> I'm, like, not any, I'm present, not though. We all got our head around, right? Like, that's kind of why I wanted to have it in, too, because this isn't a conversation that I could get up here and just be like, this is all the info I know about it. Like, you know, Med, Med has a different understanding. He's been down the rabbit hole further than I have. So, like, some of the stuff I'm kind of, like, bouncing off him just to get a head nod. Like, yeah, that's the right direction. You know what I mean? Like, am I thinking about this right? Am I not? And, you know. Well, and that's, that's the thing. Like, there's just so much of this coming out with understanding how it works within plants is still recently new for the cultivation world. Like I've known about this and tried to find a lot of information, but there's still a lot of new research coming out about this because it's still recently new in the horticultural world. Like it goes back to some of the stuff I'm finding is like early 2000s, but anything in the 80s, there's a tiny, tiny bit, you know, like, it's just only like I'm saying, like in the 2000s, really, that this has been a real topic for people to rig to research. And the information that's coming out over the years, there's just more and more. And that's why I'm like, dude, it just goes down a rabbit hole. And there's so much information to this that you could read for months on this. And try to understand it, but it, it affects so much of plant growth and gene expression and cell expression and energy and that really for a home grower to want to know this, it's just because you want to know it. Right. It's yeah. only because you want to know it. True. If I'm a home grower and I just want to grow and I don't care about all the science and information, you don't, you don't need to know this. You don't need to understand this. Nope, not at all. You can still grow without ever knowing anything about redox. And growing mm -hmm. things that don't make sense. It. <laughs> and still grow great, wonderful, beautiful flowers, yeah. you know? You, you can, you don't need to know this science and this information we're sharing, no. but we're sharing it because it's information that growers that really want to know how the plant works, how it functions, how to get the best product we can. This is just some information for us to try to understand. How can we make it work into our everyday grow? We're still trying to figure that out. Yep. I have a product that I'm trying to work with in my grow room that is an actual patented living redox molecule. So I am able to work with it more than anybody else. 
can you purchase this? Yes, you can find this on Amazon. You can find distributors like me that distribute, you know, but that's if that's what you want to do and try, you know, a lot of us are like, Hey, this is a new product coming out. Let's, let's do some testing and see what we can find with it. Some people are like, Oh, I'll let everybody else figure it out. Well, which one are you? You know, that's kind of what this is. It's still a learning curve, still a lot of information. Yeah. And a lot of it, but I mean, it does, it's the basis of a lot of the chemical reactions that are happening. It's the basis of a lot of this. That's why it's like, okay, now we got to talk nitrate and ammonia and all these different terms and whatever, but it's, it's just kind of, yeah, the broader understanding of what all that is, you know, and what's all going on. Um, one other thing too, in this, that kind of caught my attention was, um, forget who i don't even know who to give the credit to on this it might be that glenn ravenberg from one of the soil structure talks he did on future cannabis project but the comment was made how sulfur is actually like what can store energy in that system so it, one of the functions of sulfur in that soil structure matrix is kind of like the capacitor so to speak, where it can it can absorb electrons and, and release electrons in different ways, but it's uh, it can store them was kind of the important part he was making about that. So. Well, and that's the thing, like plants literally need sulfur to function. Like there are some like down to earth langbanite is high in sulfur but I can actually get a sulfur amendment to put in my soil as well to help with some of that. So I can understand, you know, like it working in that sense yeah. because the plant does need sulfur to make certain hormonal functions happen. If it doesn't happen, it's not happening. Yeah. Clear. Well, an American one, you just made a great point. Sulfur is the beginning of all nutrient uptake from what you yeah. understand. And that's probably a statement you heard. But in light of understanding the electrical movement, like the movement of the electrons in that 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 light of looking at it, if sulfur is is the capacitor, so to speak, of that circuit. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where the energy is going to be coming from or moving to and in and out of and facilitated with. So that balance is, is the key, though, I think is what the takeaway might be from a lot of this is that, you know, you don't really want it to be in too oxidative. You don't really want it to be too reduced. And, you know, I mean, just trying to balance that out is well, you were showing uh, a graft uh, when you were talking with Leighton, and it was kind of that balance of the oxidative and reactive, the alkaline and acidic, where it was your XY axis that you're talking about, where it's kind of shooting for a certain point in that balance of you don't want it too alkaline, but you don't want it too acidic. You don't want too much oxygen, but you don't want it too anaerobic. And it, it's like the balance. So, Eagle, can you 
let me in on my phone and then um, you'd have to allow me to screen share, but I, uh, I have that graph he was talking about on my phone. I could bring that up. Yeah, because that was pretty interesting um, seeing that because that also was talking about your EHPH balance. And that's what you're kind of been trying to get at most of the night on where that falls into play with some of the soil, plant. Let's see if I can allow sharing on this minute. Okay. Maybe you did. Or maybe you got to bop off here. Okay, let's do yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yep. Go ahead. There it is. Yeah. That one. That isn't going to help. Anyway, I'll zoom in here a minute. So, if, wait, if I zoom out, so the basic of this is on the bottom there is pH, and on the side going up is your EH, that's your millivolts or, or whatever. So, keep going on the wrong fucking screen. So if I zoom in on this, where the favorable conditions are, if you look there, it's, I mean, what are, what are the, what are the pHs that we're always after? I mean, Slightly acidic, six to seven. Yeah. I mean, if down you to five, five, you know, for hydro growers. Yeah. Right in the middle there. Shit, wrong screen. So if I scroll this over, I mean, where's ideal on your EH is right. It's right in the middle there too. You know what I'm saying? So like, you don't want it to be too reduced. You don't want it to be too oxidized. It's, it's kind of that idea, but on this chart, I thought it was pretty cool because you know, you, you can look at where your mineral toxicities happen, um, where, where, uh, you know, deficiencies occur. Happen, yeah. Where yeah. diseases occur. So these are some of the understandings that these guys are pulling out of this. So like at a, at a high end commercial level, I mean, I mean, probably the guy that comes to mind is Scott Ola Granola, right? So Scott Ola's guy that he's, he's a consultant, he's controversial because he's, he's pretty blatant about what he says. You know what I mean? And people take that how they want Coots the same way. They're both pretty controversial when they stand up, they say it, you know what I mean? And, and what Scott a lot of times talks about is shit that falls on this scale right here. You know, so when he's looking at diagnosing what's going on in this facility, why are they having these fungi, these, why are they having botrytis? Why are they having, you know, this iron deficiency or whatever? These are some of the thoughts that are coming into his mind along with what's the biology doing. But what the biology is doing is where he's falling on the scale. You know what I mean? So it's kind of all chicken and egg. Thing. But if you have understanding, you can use all those tools to kind of go, well, maybe I need to go more in this direction versus this direction. And I'm going to get my plants a lot healthier if I start moving in that direction. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's where, like, when it was showing the redock, and it was talking about different pH and calcium uptakes. 
like right there's your chart that's going to help understand that. Yeah. So yeah, man. I don't know. I think we confused everybody enough. <laughs> <laughs> nah. I think it's pretty understanding. Like everybody that's here listening pretty well is here for the understanding of a greater knowledge. And I think that they can, from what you and I are both kind of going back and discussing and sharing that they can grasp both the information and then decipher, you know, what they understand it. Yep. How they see it. That's kind of the way I saw it too, is like, just like, uh, you know, you had a different perspective on it. I had a little different perspective on it. Somebody in the audience, you know, grows a, you're making comments too, man. I see that. Like, you're going to, you're going to hear this information and, and might, you might have an aha, you know what I mean? That's kind of what I always call is that aha moment where it's like, well, fuck that just made sense. You know what I mean? Like that just clicked. Like, I well, get it. for, for me, like for years, I have always used hydrogen peroxide to germinate my seeds. And now with this information of how the ROS and the gibberellic acid from the hydrogen peroxide kind of work together, you know, from the gibberellic acid from the seed kind of work together and how it helps to germinate and get the seed, uh, the tap root coming out and the elongation. It's really interesting to be like, well, huh, that's why I had such great germination success rate. That's why, you know, instead of doing it in towels, when I always soaked my seeds First, I always had a better germination rate than just doing it in a towel, in a wet paper towel. Because why? Wet paper towel, I never used the hydrogen peroxide, which I used in my water. So it was, that was the difference. And that's why, okay, I always kind of stayed with that method. And I always tried to understand why. And now I'm getting a better understanding. Because at first, my understanding was like, oh, well, I need a sterile environment for my seeds to germinate, that there's nothing attacking it as it's trying to germinate. And that's what the hydrogen peroxide was doing. And it does, but it also gives it that ROS species to help the germination. So ROS, I was thinking, was an antioxidant, I guess. But it's, <laughs> that. see, that's what's so weird, because it, it let me find there's some it well, really goes it into it's, it's it's enabling the ability for that that reaction to happen somewhat you know i guess that's my basic understanding is that it, it needs energy for those reactions to happen depending on where that's going so if you're yeah oxidizing is taking taking the energy to make it go that direction. Wait, I said that wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck it up, man. I'm smoking a joint. That's all right. right. Um, let's see. Uh, what is this? I'm trying to find another article, kind of discussing more, so people can have an understanding of. Probably if we could tag some of these, I don't know, Eagle, if that's something that we can do. I don't know if there's a link or share the link. They can grab it as they want. That would probably be some of the articles. 
You should be able to drop them in chat if you've got them. Copy and paste them in the YouTube chat. Says Joel Wrench. The garden was looking nice, man. Man, I've seen a few of the recent videos of your posts, and you they're looking fucking tight. Yeah, thanks, man. Like, I'm pretty super soil. What's yeah, still do super soil. That's kind of how I really get my soil inoculated. Um, I haven't gotten over to the living soil part of it yet where I'm not destroying the soil, you know. Because um, like I said in one of my videos I did years ago, talking about the differences between organics, living organics, and no-till. Like every time I pull my root ball out, I'm just completely tilling it. I don't care if it's in a 25-gallon pot. I'm just still tilling it. I'm causing it to have a different bacteria. Um, I'm trying to remember the name, but it basically eats up the carbon in the soil. And that's what happens when you till. And that's why we get a lot of compaction. So oxidation. Yeah, oxidation. So that's why, like, I just do super soil right now till I get everything. I've, I've talked to Tyler. I'm trying to figure out what size beds I want to do in my room. Um, but right now I'm just running smart pots and staying with super soil and doing my teas that I feed and then the uh, sugar water, simple sugar waters that I feed them. You're going to build a bed? Is that what I just heard? Yeah, I, I've talked to Tyler because at first I had a tent, a five by five tent. So we were going to do a four by four bed. But now I have two grow rooms that I'm working with, one for veg, one for lower that I want to do one in half the room and still be able to still do pots in part of the room. That way, like if I'm running, just doing a pheno hunt, I could run smaller sizes all at one time and kind of sort through uh, where if I want to do like a bigger bed, I want to do like big plants, not like little one gallons. Like what I have in my room now are 10 gallon pots and those are big plants to most people. I'm used to running 25, 35 gallon pots in my flower rooms. So yeah, that's kind of the size I'm used to running. Um, Blowing O-ring out, moving them bitches around, man. Oh, well, you don't call me medically fit for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm pretty fit. I've been a power lifter, you know, strength trainer, all of that for many years. and. So moving those pots around, I definitely wait till they're dry and not just watered. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> right. Figure that out real quick. Like, yeah. Oh, tomorrow to move this fucker. Hey, it's we're moving this stuff in a couple of days when it's really dry and it's like air and not just like oh my god. Yeah. Hey, um, if you are looking at building a bed or anybody in the chat, um, I. I want to do it. I just didn't have the space or the, the logistics, so to speak, of doing it. But Layton has a uh, a podcast he did with Shango Lowe's. Yep, uh, I know Shango Lowe's. Yeah, they go really yep. in depth into the soil structure thing where he lays out actual percentages that, mm -hmm. that you want to mix in those different horizons. But he goes through that horizon story really awesome on Shango's show. And uh, if you're building a bed, I think it would at least be worth considering that style because I don't know, man, it just there's a lot about it that makes sense. And there's a lot about it that makes sense to me, and especially in that moisture control and how that that water moves through the different horizons. You know? That's that's the thing. 
because I've noticed it even in my smart pots. Water doesn't get to certain points in the pot. Even though I think I'm watering it, I still have some dry zones in my pot that water's not getting to. Why? Because the way it channels and runs off. Yep. And no matter how much I water it, unless I do something to penetrate to get to that area, it's still not going to reach that area. And I know that about living beds. That's a big issue that you have to really watch with, with the moisture content. Like you will have some areas that are really dry that aren't getting water that are supposed to be. And that's where Leighton was talking that function of like, yeah, that was the A, E, O, E. And A. The blue mat. I said that wrong. Yeah, there's the organic layer, then there's the A layer underneath it, and then there's the bedrock. He kind of suggested those three layers. But the layer that's underneath that organic one, what he really stressed there was the that ability for that to both drain quick moisture and drain moisture. But it was all about maintaining the right moisture level in the organic layer mm -hmm. by, by having the ability of that, that A layer underneath it to exchange that moisture with the organic layer, so to speak. So if you oversaturated it, the layer, the the horizon, the A horizon can accept water really fast. But then as it dries out on the on the organic, it'll take it back in, it'll wick it back to it. So here's here's something kind of like what you're discussing. I've learned over the years. Growing in pots, I never had a container at the bottom for years. I just let the water run off, seep away. And then I was like, wait a minute. My plants still want water. My pots are still drying out really quick. What's going on? So I started putting catch trays under some of my pots. And my catch tray would fill up full of water because it was just running through so quickly. So I let my plants sit in that. Half hour, come back, gone. All the water absorbed. Okay, my pots were really dry. The plants really were looking for water and they took all that water and they took it up and it moistened and hydrated everything like it needed it. So I started learning that my runoff, I really needed to catch because the plant will, or the pot will take it up and use it. But if it's too much within like a half an hour, if it's still sitting there, I know it was overwatered and I need to remove it. Yeah. So that's kind of learned how to work with my hydration on some of my pots. But it's just, you know, over years you gotta kinda learn your growing technique and making sure you're getting the right moisture. As I say, Eagle does that I think with his even with the cocoa, he has a little bit of runoff and he looks for it and draw back up and in. I think he's mentioned that. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely do. How long that do you layer a chunky? Go ahead, man. I was just gonna ask how long do you let the water sit before like you know if the water's there for an hour, do you dump it out and know your plant's taking it up or do you just wait no, till the plant I, kinda... I'll, I'll let it sit there for a few hours, but it usually you no know, it will suck it up within, you know, three or four hours tops. You know, 
uh, because it's so aerated, it kind of goes through and then sucks it back up with the little bit of roots that pass through that chunky, chunky layer there, kind of sop up what's left there. I've kind of got to kind of gotten to know that sweet spot. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, yeah. That's like me. In, that's in my ten, in my ten gallons there. If I can see through the little holes there, here, let me turn my camera on real quick. If I can see through the little holes in my 10 gallon pots that my cocoa isn't, you know, like a darker brown. Uh, if, it, if it is a darker brown, two pictures. If it's like a lighter, you know, if I've waited too long and it's starting to get a little bit lighter, three, three pictures. She's good. You know what I mean? I can yeah. tell by that little square in the bottom of the pot uh, what she needs. See, in mine, I know if it hasn't taken, because I got two different types of watering, one for the veg room, one for the flower room. I have, I haven't been able to find a longer hose or an adapter to make a longer hose yet. Um, so my watering for my veg comes out of a 55 gallon drum and it's on a pump. So I can't control sometimes the amount that each one's getting as where my vet, my flower room, I have a bucket that I dip like a big one gallon container. And I know that it's one gallon of water that I'm dumping on my plant. So I can when I did that med fit. Yeah. I, you know what I did when back when I did a similar system, because I used to use, you know, I've got a 15 gallon uh, reservoir here that I mix up at a time. And I used to use a, a transfer pump. And back in the day when I used the transfer pump, uh, I did the same thing. I, I filled up a vessel, what I knew was my three pitchers, and I counted one, two, three, until I hit that line. And then I knew how many seconds it took me to achieve that. So as I was reaching out, I knew basically, you know, the same kind amount. Of learned if the I was counting yeah. correctly. Right. Yeah. 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 But that's the thing. Like, so I'll feed the gallon deal and when it, fills up the pot if it's not sucked up within a half an hour i know that the plant has too much water and i need to get it out of the pot because it won't take anything up and it'll just sit in a thing of water for days until it kind of starts using the water because it, it really lets me know how much the plant's using like if it takes it all up i know the plant needed it it's been the two three days okay if it's sitting and it's not taking it up. I know that my plant's no longer wanting water right now, so I don't need to water as much. And especially in harvest time, that's when I know my plant's pretty well coming to finish because it's not taking up water anymore. I run a little bit of weird of a uh, cocoa system with the chunky, chunky cocoa that I, I use. Because I reuse my old cocoa and then I add new cocoa every run. So in the bottom of my 10 gallons, I'll put like uh, two to three inches of that chunky, chunky cocoa. And then I'll put a fine layer of cocoa then another layer, chunky, chunky, you know, and I repeat that up. So I, every, I get like a nice layer of roots through the chunky, chunky cocoa. But the aeration in between is just enough to not ever let it be completely saturated if you will right and that's so growing house plants when i first started getting house plants i take my pot 
I would get lava rock or different rock, small pea gravel, whatever, and put in the bottom and put my soil and then my plant and let the roots grow down. And the reason was always to let the water drain from the soil. That way it never, the soil never really stayed wet. It never sat in water. And I always understood that because growing up in Iowa, you always had different levels. You had your bedrock, you know, you had kind of like clay, you had different topsoils that had rocks to it. So it was always understanding that it was the aeration is what those rocks were for. It allowed more air and water to get through things instead of being compacted where water couldn't penetrate. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sorry if you're talking about that. Oh. No, Eagle. I was talking to him, but he's not here. Right. I was typing. In. Yeah. He, he looks frozen, actually. He might be, man. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. Oh, that's okay. Talking with chat because there is some, some good questions. So, all right, Medically Fit, have you ever heard of a Soma SIP? Yeah, SIP container. Yep. So, so yeah, Soma SIP is basically, a, a, they have Soma style beds that they sell at Build a Soil. But it's basically the concept of it is rocks in a tray, and then you set your your pot or your bed on those rocks that are in the tray, and then you water that tray or those rocks, and that's that's the soma style stuff. That I was then the, the plant pulls up what it needs, wicks it up. Yeah, they've been doing them yeah. since like two thousand eight, nine. I don't know. There's some info back on it if you want. To yeah, it. I've seen some different. You know, different growers do different styles of sip containers over the years. Um, one of them was a uh, organic. Can't. Oh God, I can't even say his name right now. I'm stoned, but and it's also one o'clock in the morning. Anyhow, he did a bunch of, a bunch of micro sip containers. Um, God, I can't even remember his name. I could even see it. We call him CO Cannabis Organum. There you go. Um, he did a bunch of micro sip containers where he was actually having net pots and then kind of like a DWC setup, but he was also injecting oxygen into the root zone down where the water was. Oh. So that's how, so he was getting a huge root ball in a micro container doing this. And it was a really nice setup. Like I really thought it was a great idea of what he was doing. Like, I didn't see anybody else introducing oxygen down into that root zone area. So it was splashing up and kind of helping hit some of the roots. So as it was wicking, it was, you know, kind of doing that that way instead of it having to pull it up itself. Yeah, no shit. It was you know, really interesting. It is, man. It's so fucking wild how many different styles, like, to think you can grow it in a fucking fish aquarium, or you can, you know what I'm saying? Like, just, this, like, it, I've seen people post pictures on Instagram where they fucking, a seed must have fell out of their car or whatever, and fucking was growing out of the crack in their driveway. You know what I mean? Here, I... Well, it was in his backyard or something. He let it go. It was a big-ass fucking plant, like, four foot tall out of the fucking crack in a sidewalk. Like, what? 
<laughs> we were walking our dogs down to the lake just south of us and literally on the sandy sandy beach because it's pretty deserty here we don't get a lot of rain we haven't had rain in almost 20 days now um that's how desert area of colorado i live in but this little seedling was probably like three or four inches that was just growing up. Like somebody had a bag seed and threw it out and it just came up and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to try to watch it over the time. See, it, it never made it. It just was too dry, but to watch it try to come up with, you know, just sand for a medium. Yeah. It, it was doing it. It, it was surviving for several weeks till it was just too hot, too dry, and it never got watered and it died off. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that uh, I guess kind of was hitting in my head too about some of this stuff with like soil structure, trying to flip mm -hmm. this, whatever. But so one of the things I did change was like, cause I mix my own soil. Like it's, it's it, you know, the Cornell mix is the basic peat aeration compost, right? The three, three, three. You know, Coots mix is kind of certain specific aeration, certain compost. And Coot will even say that's where he got it, the Cornell mix or whatever. But so I did kind of the same thing. But then when I started like looking at, you know, some of the discussion on like what we were talking about tonight, like clay colloids and different, different um, minerals have different electrical charges to them. And the idea that it's sand, silt, or clay is only based on particle size. It's not based on, it's not based on, you know, what fucking mineral makes that up, right? Mm -hmm. So basically you could have sand that's high calcium. You could have sand that's, you know what I'm saying? Like you could have right. different things in the different sizes. So. That was another mind fuck too, looking at like trying to go down a whole new rabbit hole. Like, whoa. well, wait a minute. Let's talk about some information I'm still trying to get that I just came across doing some more research since this topic's been brought back up about redox. And I don't know how new this is, but I've been in touch with Matthew Gates, Sink Angel, trying to see if he can pull up some more articles that I can't because I don't have certain access to websites for like um, academia websites, shit like that, that he may, but there's some information about bacteria communicating with each other yeah. and actually being able to signal and talk to each other and like, okay, let's, what is this information? What, it, what is this signaling that they're doing? Is it talking about what kind of nutrients it needs and it needs to go hunt and find? Or is it communicating back and forth with each other on like, hey, um, how do I want to describe it? Like different diverse colonies, you know, and soil diversity that are just like, hey, we're here, but we're not doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? But we're kind of here. And these are here, hey, we're nitrate uh, fixing bacteria and we're gonna help kind of pull, you know, some nitrate and change it to nitrogen. And so I wonder if they, you know what I'm saying? Like communicating, okay, well, we're gonna be here and we're gonna help pull some phosphorus. Like, yeah. what is the information these 
what could be that communication could be the movement of nutrients though so like when we think of communication like us talking communicating right right um but it's actually exchange of information and that was another thing that fucking blew my mind too med was um i don't know if you caught the discussion between kevin jodry and breeder steve on the future cannabis project but they were talking really specifically about altitudes and and they grow in Colombia, and i believe both of them kind of knew the area well and there's really you know geographical changes of altitude that take place in Colombia, so it can add some trickiness just like northern california or other places but colorado whatever but that altitude was like we talk about different uv lights that the planet Mm -hmm. but them guys talked about it as different communication the plant got from the sun and that was like just kind of rang in my head when you were saying biology is communicating with itself but that communication is happening in different ways than what we know right so i mean they could be communicating those by moving those electrons around through those signals that ROS or whatever, but the the sun is communicating through the wavelength that it's fucking hitting the leaf at. You know what I mean? Like it's well, and, and it might be the altitude might be the different oxygen species, the reactive oxygen species that are happening. Because as you get higher in altitude, you have less oxygen. In my mind, you know what I'm saying? And maybe it's how it affects the plant through that, through photosynthesis, you know, maybe it, who knows? Like that's, that's a information to kind of. Those are new mind fucks for sure, man. Right. <laughs> like crazy trying to figure shit like that out, but I'm sure guys are doing it because it's applicable though. It's applicable to what they're doing. Like when we start talking about terroir, those are the communications through that biology, what that biology communicated through that plant that was in their soil that was in the seed, when they popped the seed in that soil, what light that communicated to the plant and how that all played into the finish of it, you know? It's like, oh. Oh. So, remember, I was- I don't mean to beat this drum again. Yeah. Real quick, man. Yeah. I don't mean to beat this drum again, but we, we, we already know the plants are communicating both above and below the ground through frequency. I think the transfer is just being done through bacteria, microbes, and fungi is the the highway in itself. But the communication, I need this and I need that, is totally through frequency above and below the soil. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, there's (laughs) there's a lot of documentation of plants actually not just root zone, letting other plants know that they're being attacked by pests, but chemically through the air, letting other plants know as well. So, yeah. No, yeah, they, uh, I mean, that's I was say that that chart you showed showed the frequency of those signalings that were happening through that right. oxidation reduction that's going on. I don't know if you can picture that, but that was actually a frequency sine wave that it was. So. Fucked up, man. You know, uh, one other thing I want to chime in when I popped in here real quick is, you know, we talked about a little bit of, you know, you guys are talking about how redox can change the polarity of the molecules. But, you know, we kind of touched on that a little bit when we were talking about uh, with uh, Twisted there in his theories on uh, magnetizing the water there. 
putting the magnets in the water. We figured we were talking about basically if we could face them all in the right direction. And while we were spinning the water through the magnets, they are maybe changing the polarity of the molecules that way, charging them, positively charging them before we even threw it into the water was what, how we were discussing it that day. But I don't know. It's a I theory. Just a theory. Well, I think in the idea of like structuring water, like everybody kind of throws that out the window. But there are some anomalies about water that we can't fucking explain and there's some truth to that so well who's that who's that scientist in japan that did the speaking like positive words over water and freezing it and negative words over water and freezing it and watching that when you spoke love and happy and joy over it, it actually formed different formations. But when you spoke negative things like hate and kill and murder, it was all distorted. So you got to see the difference even in the emotion, the frequency of emotion that we can create in water. Well, that's- right now in Silicon Valley, I don't mean to butt in. It's my last time I'm buttoning. In Silicon Valley right now, they're actually experimenting with uh, being able to put memory to water. They know that they can actually store memory in crystals, but now now they know they can actually store uh, information in water molecules as well. And that may be the next next, uh, memory storage rage right there. You know, what can be done with what we've got on this earth? We're far, far from understanding. But I think, you know, we're just on that cusp of just really understanding. And I've said this before, this beautiful plant drives us that way. A lot of us would have never picked up these books and looked in these directions if it wouldn't have been for the cultivation of this plant. That's all all I'm saying on that. And that's what drove me to want to know more is like, I want to know about this plant that I'm growing as my medicine. I want to know more about it. Like, how does it grow? How can I get it to grow better than when I'm, you know, when I first started? Like, I wanted that information. And yeah, so it made me seek more and more knowledge. And it still is today. Like, look at this rabbit hole of redox we're now talking and going down. Like, there's still more information coming out that it's just enjoyable to really be able to learn about this plant even now like there's so much information i don't think i'm in my lifetime going to be able to learn all of this information oh not even not even but it's it's awesome to know that we got guys like you and smiley out there trying to stay a step ahead and understand it so you can relay it back to us that's for sure yeah well well to me like when I first got into the YouTube community, there wasn't a lot of people really putting out information. And it was like, no, it, nobody wanted to share information. They were too scared to. And it was like, wait a minute. If we're actually in medical states, how are people supposed to know how to grow that it could only grow medically? And it was like people started wanting information and more and more people were like, okay, Let's put it out there. And so that's where YouTube really took off for the what I consider the WeTube community is when people really started putting information out. 
that's when people were really on YouTube hunting for that information. And it just kept growing and growing. When like, I've been on YouTube for a long time. And when Kevin finally came to YouTube, it was like, oh my God, there's so much more information this dude's putting out. Like, holy cow, I didn't hear this five, six years ago. Nobody was talking this information. When Bubble Man and Hash Church came around, it was like, oh my God, these guys are talking whole different topics than what these YouTubes are talking about growing. They're talking about cannabinoids and information on that. Like, holy shit. Like, it's just been a whole journey listening to how much this has grown and the information that's come out over the years. So about the magnets, I do want to say one quick thing. There was something I heard today that kind of fucking, it was in that lecture series you sent me, Med. The guy was talking about how the covalent bond in the, in the H2O of water, there's, there's like a stronger, there's a polarity to it where there's like one of the hydrogens was more strongly bonded to the oxygen than the other hydrogen. And there was like some form of a polarity to that too. And I didn't, I don't got my head around it enough, but as far as like magnets go, it's not going to change it from a negative ion to a positive like that, so to speak. I think it's going to more have a magnetic effect as far as arranging those, those, those atoms in such a way, you know what I'm saying? There's got to be some kind of an effect that that magnet would have on that electric field as it passes through. You know, we know that that happens when they, you know, so that'd be my, that'd be my take on maybe the uh, advocating use of magnets based off anecdotal evidence. Well, let's, let's look at this. Okay. You've heard them now doing therapy, brain treatment for people with bipolar disorder or what do I want to say a mental disorder where they're actually going in and put magnets around their brain to different polarities to help bring a balance back into like their mental state. It's, it's pretty interesting. So like they're going to wear a hat the rest of the time and fucking no, you only go in so often to get this magnet I'd have to pull more of it up because I don't know a lot about it. Only enough that, you know, kind of what it is. And it's really interesting that it's a treatment for people to actually go that have mental disorders or even like bipolarism. Hmm. No, I guess one other thing before I like camera officer turn right again. You know, uh, as far as H2O2, uh, I've heard, you know, and again, without, you know, getting myself into trouble without making any claims here and being uh, somewhat vague, but leaving a trail for them to search for is uh, I've heard the research in uh, the H2O2 in uh, regards to the big Z word. Uh, it's uh, having a lot of effect there. People actually using that product to uh, fight off that Z word as well. I don't know, uh, in the human body, taking it in small doses, but that's for, you know, teach his own research. But uh, pretty crazy stuff. And one other thing is American one wanted to know if uh, H2O2 was just found in the plant or if it was found in nature. Or 
Well, the plant, from my understanding, it looks like the plant actually creates ROS species that are similar to hydrogen peroxide within itself, within cell, the cell, the mitochondria, the and the cell itself from the information that I've shared, Tal. Um, other than that, that's all I can tell you about it right now. Yeah, I would say the H2O2 is found in nature, but only in certain spots. And in what we basically, the science that we're talking about is revealing that there's different concentrations that the plant can produce within its cells and within itself. As, long, as well as the OH minus and, and freeing up a hydrogen. So like, I think the easy way to think of it, Tal, is like uh, there's either the gain of an oxygen or there's the loss of a hydrogen on water. So when the plants outside of like transpiration, the normal bulk flow that goes through a plant, these are, these are other functions that the plant does with water. So that's kind of, it's either going to add oxygen or it's going to remove that hydrogen to make the scenario it needs. If that helps, hopefully. So yeah, it'll make it in the cell. Um, what it was talking also about losing bonds too is how some of these species came about. Um, I'd have to pull the article up to actually cite it, but. Tal, um, a lot of this information should be in those articles that I've shared, um, kind of discussing this, these questions. Um, everything that you've asked so far, I believe that I've read in some of this. I just don't have it right in front of me to tell you exactly which one. Yeah, Tal, go do your own homework. Yeah, Tal, come on, man. <laughs> like, that's what we give you the information to do your own research for, right? Yeah, we could just talk about it a little bit. We don't understand it all. But yeah, I don't think I don't think H2O2 is going to appear anywhere in nature because of its reactive ability. Reactive, yeah. So so yeah, I mean, once the plant the plant makes it, but it doesn't last. It's like it's like I I guess the kind of the one area that might cover some of this there's something called quantum agriculture that kind of talks in terms of some of this and, um, um, well, some of those papers also cite how the plant learned to manage the toxicity of the ROS species within itself. So it kind of is really interesting what the plant had to learn and do over time to be able to have this. It's how do I want to? It's kind of weird, kind of like what is it, the eukaryote? the plant or the cell that has the cell DNA mitochondria living in it, how it kind of adapted and lived, you know, in the, in the cell. Um, to me, that's kind of what it seems like with this. It kind of learned how to adapt using these species within the plant itself for different biological functions. I've got a question for you guys. I've heard you guys talk about, you know, the H2O2 uh, tonight in this uh, talk about uh, germinating seeds and such, you know, in regards with this redox. 
If I'm adding it to my cloner, I know I'm adding it for antifungal purposes, but does it have any uh, regards to redox in, the, in, in my oxycloner? Is it helping uh, kick my clones along? It should be from what it's stating with helping root growth and oxen and the elongation of roots. It does talk about how these RSO species help with that. Yeah, Tau, Tau made it a good point and, and it's something that we've kind of forgot, but that that hydrogen peroxide or the superoxide that it, uh, the plant makes is how it's interacting with those endophyte bacteria biology. So um, there's a discussion on that a little while back and I forget the guy's name and it's kind of like been the guy studying this, but that's also new information of like plants eating biology so they basically take in the bacteria through their root tip and then they that superoxide is used to remove the, the bacterial cell and and then the plant gains nitrogen from it and it gains other nitrogen but the the biology gains from it too because without a cell wall it can replicate itself at a really fast rate so the biology is constantly increasing through this process too and then when the plant robs all the nitrogen from it it spews them back out and they form a new cell wall and they fucking go do their thing and i don't know but that's part of that process that of that so it's kind of a sick fucking thing in itself too is the endophytic bacteria but. and that's one thing like you know, for years, all of us were talking about uh, mycorrhizal bacteria and how beneficial it is, but we forgot the endophytic bacteria and fungi that are really just as beneficial as the mycorrhiza. And so it's like, it's still a learning process. We're all still learning all this information because it's people like Matthew Gates that kind of come out and, oh, hey, I'm a part of this world, you know, but I want to be a part of this horticultural cannabis world and help you guys. And so all that knowledge that he's brought over kind of helped open the doors for a lot of us to understand like pest management, pest management and uh, pest integration management using, you know, different um, instead of chemicals, but using predator bugs and different essential oils to, on our plants to help fight different pathogens and bugs off. But it's things like that, like, oh, I didn't understand some of that, and now I do. And it's like the same thing here. It's like we're discussing this. Now people are starting to understand it a little bit more on how this is functioning and making plants work. Yeah. I don't know, the more I read about it, the more I learn about it, the more I, the more you just see it all over the place. And like, I actually went back and started listening to uh, uh, Teaming with Nutrients again, just to kind of hear certain chapters of that where he talks about the nutrient uptake. And now that I've kind of like put my head down this rabbit hole, it's like I jump back over to that book now and it's like, I hear it in a whole different perspective and it's like holy fuck you know what I mean it's like it's like this whole different book now I'm learning all this different shit from it it's 
it's pretty crazy how that is too well it's interesting because it's even though we've read something once or twice after we've learned and gained more knowledge and we go back and reread some of it we pick up a little bit more information stuff that we didn't understand the first time that now we understand so it yeah i will go back and redo a lot of our rewatch and re-listen to a lot of old lectures and paperwork that I have and re-go through some of that. And, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Oh yeah, now I understand how this is working because of this function. Okay, so it's going back to me has always been one of the things that a lot of people forget to do. Yeah. Yeah, because that'll be the other thing is like uh, certain books you haven't read in a while. Say you read it years ago, but somebody is talking about it and you knew some of the information they were after is in that book. So you throw out the recommendation and then, then they read it and they come back to you and they're like, do you remember this, this and this? And you're like, Fuck, no, I don't. <laughs> like, I don't even remember that at all. Being in there. So then you got to go back and figure it out. Well, like for years, I've watched Ray Archuleta. He's a soil agronomist and he used to work for the US government and now he doesn't and he can kind of really tell how he feels about things and he's come a long ways from what he originally learned to when he ran into Gay Brown and David Brand and doing no-till and now he really talks about everything is one everything from humans to the soil biology to our food we eat that the cattle you know eat like it's all one it all function and works together and like watching him from five years ago to speaking today and listening to how his knowledge and information has changed because of the information he's come across it's really interesting same thing with Dr. Elaine Ingham. Watching her talk from 10 years ago to talking now that she's kind of got in the cannabis game and talked a little bit about the soil biology with having different cannabinoids coming out with different biology. It's interesting to me. Yeah. Well, that's the accumulation of knowledge, right? Like we, right. we, we glean all this information from other people. So like everybody's standing on the shoulders of somebody else. That's the... That's the thing, like it's, it's um, my hope in a lot of this is that not only am I getting a better understanding, but us talking about this, somebody else in the, in the fired, and they're going to have an aha moment that they can come back and tell us about that will kind of make sense. Snowballs, it's like a domino effect, but that's the, that's the cumulative intelligence that we're everybody playing a role it's not any individual it's everybody kind of putting their their collective knowledge yeah you know so that's why it's so hard like like you were talking how people were tentative to put info out there and i can see why because it's and i've been guilty of this too it's easy to get passionate about how you feel a certain way and then you rip somebody up you know what i mean but but you got to look at it from their perspective too man like that's their perspective like you know what i mean like that's how that's what they know that's how they that's how they're talking about it. that's how they're coming to it so like if you kind of take the perspective of like maybe everybody's got something they can share 
and there's something I can learn from that person, then then it kind of shifts that to where you're maybe not so confrontational with it all the time. Well, you know I mean, maybe there's something that yeah, magnet. Great, you know what I mean? or, great example. Like my YouTube videos, I tell people put comments down below, you know, because I want you to comment so we can engage. And some of the times I get people that are newbie growers commenting, making to me like an idiotic statement, like, oh, you got too much wind going on, you're wind burning and it's ruining your fan leaves. And I'm like, do I just comment and be a douchebag and just talk shit? Or do I have the better understanding of, hey, this guy doesn't understand that it's actually strengthening the plant structure so when my buds get big and hard, I don't have to have anything to hold them up. And right. he just doesn't quite understand that, that that's why I have heavy wind sometimes. Oh, okay. So yeah, I just don't comment or I just explain it to him. Like, don't be a douchebag. Like this person doesn't quite have that understanding or else they would have never made those comments. You know, like I got to watch, you got to watch what people say because sometimes people are not educated are, are only educated so much that they don't fully understand the whole, the whole deal. And it, you know, the other thing I realized too, like, I guess in my mind, when I'm challenging information, let's put it that way, maybe. So I'm challenging the information shared. Some of that is because I want a deeper explanation out of that person. You know what I mean? It's not that I disagree. It's just, I want to, I want to understand a little better why you're saying that. You know what I mean? So I may pick at you with this question or that question, and it may seem like I'm challenging your info, but it's not. It's really, I just want to try to get a better understanding of why you think that way about it. Well, and that's why discussions are better than arguments, because you're not arguing who's right or wrong. You're discussing viewpoints on how you understand information. Yep. And when you're able to discuss it without arguing or talking shit or name calling, then it's actual a true discussion and your people are more open to receive the information. But when people are argumentative and no, this is how it is and blah, blah, nobody wants to listen to it. No, nobody's going to open up to listen to that information. So if we're just arguing in this community and not having open discussions, how are people going to learn and understand things? Yeah. Like there's people in this community I don't get along with because of how I view things but it's not that I don't want to share the information we've tried having that discussion but they still think I'm an idiot because my information is old and it's outdated but it's not it's all science it's all factual proven so can I have a discussion with this person no they're not willing to have a discussion they want to have an argument okay so you just don't have you just don't communicate you don't engage with them yeah. So medically fit, I just want to, you know, touch a few things here. Maybe they just haven't reached that point in their life where they've reached that nugget of information where they need to go back and read your book, brother. You know what I mean? For the second time. You know, just as we stated with Lowenfels, maybe they just haven't hit that, that mark where they'll go back and, you know, retake it back in and go, okay, it makes sense now. Yeah. You know, that, that, that could be something there as well. And I wanted to revert back to the statement that you said that like we're all one, the plants and us are basically the same. I believe that to be very true 
you know, uh, all the microbes and you know, organisms in the soil that you guys talked about today are in your lower intestine gut, basically your medium. You feed yourself nothing more than the same nutrients that you feed your plants. All this right here is your soil. These, your plants and stuff. We are no different, basically, than them it's plants. Not, you know, it's just This not is that. our frequency and how we're relating to the plants right here. It's so, it's on I your skin. I believe everything that you said, brother. It's it's you breathe <laughs> you breathe this stuff in. You know, it's like it's living. We wash our hands. We're destroying biology that's living on us that we need. Like, it's every part of our bodies, and we don't get that. You know, like that's why, honestly, I don't shower every day because I'm not trying to destroy my biology that helps keep me healthy, and if I do then I'm destroying that. Well, that helps with social distancing too. And nobody right? can't so close. To <laughs> uh, like what? <laughs> come here, bro. Let's, let's have a, yeah. Demo. Like I don't even like, I don't have BO like that because I don't have that biology attacking me in those areas that cause that odor. Yeah. I don't have it. Like, if I'm working hard, I'm sweating. Yeah, but if just naturally, no, I just no. That's a good point. Good, good point. I'm gonna use that excuse one of these days. Well, if you look at hippies and look at them, for example, right? A lot of them are very healthy people that don't get a lot of flus or colds because their body's biology and gut biome already have all this in it. They don't wash themselves all the time. So all this dirt and soil and it, they're getting it inside of them as well. And it's helping fight all this off. Like people really need to understand that biology and microbiology is really a huge part of our life every day. And we need it in our bodies. And if we're not, that's why we're getting these diseases and this chronic inflammation and these problems with our health. That's why like, I may not eat healthy all the time, but I'll at least try to make a smoothie in the morning with CBD oil and as much fruits and vegetables as I can get in to get it blended. I'm at least trying to get my bio, my gut biology started for the day to be activated and working the best I can. You know, in that, uh, that uh, documentary about earthing there, you know, they, there's a lot of science that they put forth basically to what he's kind of saying there about, well, both about grounding us into the soil there, but uh, picking microbes up, you know, from the soil that we need that our body doesn't usually pick up. They, uh, they put that theory in there as well, that we actually almost as he, you guys are saying, need to put our hands and feet in the soil, you know, introduce them onto our skin because... You know, we're, we do have that relationship. Well, think about this. You're growing produce in a commercial setting. Is it really, some of this is in indoor facilities. So is it getting the biology from the actual soil that it needs? No, because some of it's grown hydroponically. Okay, now it's getting shipped to the stores and you're eating it. You're not getting the biology that the plant leaf is have on it into your gut, which needs it. So if you're cultivating more of your own produce that's outdoors or in a soil setting you're getting this biology on the produce 
yes, you may go in and kind of rinse it off, but you're not washing it all off. You're not putting chemicals on your plants to destroy this biology. And now you're eating it and like ingesting it. Now you're getting it into your body. That's why they talk about eating so much raw fruit and vegetables is healthy for you compared to eating like overcooked, you know, um, commercialized type depleted. of produce. Yeah, depleted of nutrients. Because even now they're making the statement that the the nutrient density of the food today is not even it's about half of what it once was because we've depleted the soil of so much nutrients that the plants aren't even getting the nutrients they once had. And it's so depleted that even now it's being passed on to us that we have to eat almost twice the amount of fruits and vegetables we once did just to get the nutrient density the foods once had. Same thing with the animal, the beef, the like iron and cattle. It's not there like it used to be. We're depleting our soils, which is depleting the nutrient densities of our food, which is causing our bodies to have problems. You know what's fucking That's because is the rise and fall fires can be traced to soil fertility. And David or Dr. David Montgomery talks about that in some of his books. That's fucked up, man. Makes sense, but well, it, isn't but, that in a lot of uh in, in at least ag agriculture is they found you know that basic sweet spot of you know NPK that they can push 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 and not have to put back the nutrient density into the soil that should be there i mean that they're no, just not they're, putting the full recipe in there they just found out that sweet spot and that's what they're feeding year after year after year well, they're not even getting back they're not even getting the return that they once were farming the conventional farming ways most of these farmers are in debt. Why do you think farming is almost what last I heard was, I think the number one suicide rate now is farming communities because farmers are so much in debt that they can't get out of it because of conventional farming. And so there, there has to be a huge change and shift in what we're doing. Like, I want to say that it was like 20% of the nitrogen that gets applied to fields gets uptaken by the crop. So the rest gets washed I, off. So, yeah. Like it's in this day and age, in what we know, how come they are? Is there a product that they they're actually using from the corn stalk itself? I mean, how come they're not just de-earing that thing and just shredding it and leaving it behind to break well, down on the soil? I mean, when they harvest, I mean, that barren soil after any harvest, it's like. It looks depleted. There's nothing laying there breaking down after the harvest. How come they don't, you know, harvest their good and leave the carcass to break down? Well, most of it's going to, to me, come back to the education of these farmers is not being taught or have the proper understanding of what no-till or low-till systems are compared to conventional farming. A lot more people are hearing about it and turning that direction but look at how far and how many, I'd say hundreds of years of integration of conventional farming have these communities farmed compared to now regenerative has only been around for 20 plus years, really that more and more people are talking about it. So it's, it's changing the mindset of the older farming communities that were 
conventional farming to now understanding regenerative is a much healthier and much product better product uh, overall for these farmers that they're actually profiting and not losing profit. Page Farm says they do uh, shred the stock and uh, leave it, but how, how come we don't see nothing? Now? You know what I mean? The field looks so clean if it, it's being shredded and left behind. Seems like it would be green at least for a day or two after harvest. Now, if you look behind the combine, Eagle, a lot of times there's a chute where it's spewing out the ground up stuff. Uh, but it doesn't I guess driving by you don't see it as much, but yeah, the problem with a lot of the crop residue too, though, sitting, the one guy I heard talking about that on the top of the surface, actually the sun can cause the reaction to actually release CO2 and it's just burning up on releasing into CO2 on the top of the surface there versus like, the, I think he was advocating kind of tilling it in basically idea, but well, some of it's also the soil temperatures from not being covered by like cover crop that they can be 100, 110, that they're actually killing some of the biology and not helping it. And that's where some of that, why more people are talking about doing cover crops. Because when you're looking at land that is completely covered and the soil temperatures are going to be different than the barren land. And that's where they're saying why we're having a lot of this, these problems and why climate change is happening because these soils are allowing the earth's temperature to rise and not cool because there's nothing covering the soil itself. It's like having black mat lay out in the sun. It absorb heat, right? Yeah, the well, walk on right? that. So when you're stripping off the green layer of the earth's surface, and it's black it's just absorbing heat right kind of the same concept there's it's just absorbing it it's not kind of directing it other places or using it for energy like photosynthesis and plants well sunlight actually has an oxidizing effect like talking about it in that respect again where the plant the plant mechanism through photosynthesis actually converts it into a reducing effect. So it's a way of capturing some of that energy. But the, uh, but yeah, the sunlight in general, I mean, if it, look at what happens to your dash in your car. Oh, it destroys it. It's oxidizing. Yes. It does that to your paint, it does that to all the other stuff. So yeah, I mean, there's different effects, but that plant is taking and changing that into a reducing effect so it's acting upon it in that way so it's kind of i don't know that's the bio like that's the difference of looking at it like a circuit board versus looking at it like okay photo system one photo system two right it went through this mitochondria and it did that function but it's like you know in a little pulled back big picture it it kind of is a fucking circuit all happening and you got all these little electrons moving all these different fucking ways and making all this different shit happen but that's the energy that makes work and life happen in, at every level and cells and us and bacteria and fungi and horses cows whatever it's like it's a mind trip man well and think about how much of it's being depleted 
because of rain runoff and nothing being covered in its barren soil and how much nutrients we're losing, how much chemicals are being sprayed on, fertilizers being sprayed on that, okay, the plant's still uptaking it, but how much still getting washed off? Like, so there's a lot of issues when it comes to how we've farmed and trying to get back to getting people educated on a better way. And well, some of that too, like the guys were talking about um, clay aging. I don't know if you've heard that term at all or not, but the idea of clay aging is like um, kind of making the polarity of it change to where it's going to become. So like aged clay is like really sticky and it'll mat up on your boots. And you'll, if you walk through it, you feel like you're walking with 20 pounds. That's really well, clay. that's if it's properly hydrated. Well, no, you know I'm saying it's still an electrical charge between those clay particles that's causing them to cling together. And then- But so to have that texture, because I have some clay that's, it's calcium carbonate, but it's clay. It's a silica form where it's powder. But once I get water to it, it turns into that pasty clay that you almost like what you were talking about. And like growing up in Iowa, like, before we hit bedrock, we would hit a good clay area of soil that it was clay. It was like um, really gooey, hard, almost like a plumber's putty type deal um, material, you know, way different than what soil was. And it would almost, you could make a bowl and it would hold water because of, you know, how how do I want a to say gray that? clay and not a brown clay? Right, right. Hmm. So some of the clays are a little different, and that's why I was asking on that. Well, that was my understanding is it all matters on their polarity or the electric charge of it. So I'm not, a, I don't have my head totally around it, but they were saying like in um, oil mining, clay aging is kind of a term, but they, if you think of like, what the drill is trying to do there it's trying to pull that clay up and out you know what i mean so i guess they spray i forget i think it was potassium chloride or something and it displaces the calcium and the clay becomes more wanting to like attract to itself and it and in that sense it's going to cling together and they can pull it up out of the hole easier kind of thing <coughs> huh yeah because yeah, the clay here that i'm used to like in iowa man it's like big fucking chunks it's almost like play-doh it's just like chunky and you can pull it off and you know what i'm saying like the consistency when it dries out then it kind of comes brittle but it takes a long time for clay to dry out like the water capability that it can hold is really interesting. Like if you dug a chunk of clay up and let it set out, it would take quite a while for it to actually dry out compared to like what soil is. So yeah, it has to do with that electric polarity too, because the water is clinging to that stronger than what it's going to want to evaporate, kind of thing. So. Yeah. So more of like the covalent bond of the water and the clay molecules together. Mm -hmm. that's my understanding of it i guess but yeah like 
like the aged clay is going to be more the compacted type clay where like yeah and maybe i'm wrong i don't know if you have you done soil tests on some of that was it something lacking in calcium or did it have isn't there a, a a gray brown and a red clay i know of uh, the, the gray and the red um probably mineral content wouldn't it be like the red would be more iron well to say that it's a clay particle is only specifically speaking on the size diameter size of the particle it doesn't say what it is so yeah i mean i would think gray red brown whatever is just a different mineral makeup of that clay particle be, well, I asked that because, you know, I've done a, a shitload of digging and uh, like medically saying there, there definitely is a difference on how they bond together. I mean, there is definitely that greasy layer of gray that is just like friggin mud, but yet super sticky. And then that brown that I'm used to is more of a mid somewhat semi soft, but not as slick clay and the red that i've come across is you know more harder in a dry clay uh you know so i i there has to be different states in in clay i don't know well that just is. the mineral makeup yeah, or is that just the mineral makeup yeah the, the particle charge so like having having the right amount of calcium in there is like what's helps with that structuring of that so it's not going to cling together and it's all the balance of whether that's the base saturation is more calcium magnesium or potassium and all that stuff it gets into all that but that term clay aging would give you the idea some of that discussion i guess so yeah man i don't know i'm smoking another one probably the last one it's a little early on 420, but 50 meetings. I don't even think I've smoked a whole one. Maybe it's wow. just all the cannabis I've smoked today. So, Matt, when you it was a good at, day for smoking, though. Yeah, it was, man. It was a beautiful day. A little chill. But. What were we going to ask, Smiley? I was gonna say when you when you're uh, a e s a that product that you asia yeah so how are you using that with the plant like what's your what's been your kind of messing around with it a little bit are you foliar in it are you yep that's kind of how I've been trying to apply it is just a foliar spray um, I haven't wanted to because I'm still hesitant I don't know what it can and can't take compared to the human body. So it's all like what I'm willing to sacrifice and kill off. I don't know too many people that want to kill off plants doing little testing right now. So I just do more of the foliar spray instead of feeding it um, our root drench, drenching it. Um, the stuff is, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, the bottle states that it's a living molecule. The most ingredients are like chlorine and sodium. When you drink it, it tastes like pool water to me. So it's really interesting 
that it's an actual living molecule that I'm drinking. You know, like, wow. But whatever, however, they figured out how to keep this alive, you know, that's all on their patent. But you, they have a cream that you can do topical or you can put it in this little mister that, you know, you miss your face and apply it that way. And that's what I do is I'll put it in that bottle and then I'll spray my plants. Um, when I was talking earlier about how I treat my plants, like my clones, I've tried it on some of my clones and they just die. They don't like it. Huh. My plants and flower, they seem to be doing okay. I have no issues with them. Some of the plants in my veg, they were growing kind of funky, like they were having some mutations, sprayed it on it, seemed like they came out of the mutation. Some of the spots that I sprayed on it kind of looked like it caused deformity where it caused oxidization to the plant and it kind of did some leaf damage. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, you know, a little bit about what I've done with it so far. Um, if I had a big facility where I had more room, I could play around with it. That would be different. I'd really try to work and find out. I've been trying to get more information from the company to see if they have any scientists that's worked with it in the horticultural industry compared to the human health side of it. Um, there's not a lot of information I've been able to get from him. So a lot of I've had to actually find on like Google Scholar for Redoc, Redoc signaling, you know, understanding more about what the product is. Uh, but there's people like if you're on Facebook, you could find people that are posting about like spraying their plants and watching how this plant, you know, hadn't flowered in years and all of a sudden now it's starting to flower and put fruit, you know, and little uh, flower sites on it and blooming and um, how their plants had some issues and now we're recovering. So there's a lot of people that are kind of giving some testimony about what they've found spraying you know, doing foliar sprays on their plants. I haven't heard too much about people doing roof drenching. So, um, yeah, so it's pretty interesting that there are people out there trying this, you know, willing to see what it does to their plants. And well, it sounds like it's going to have an effect depending on a positive or a negative effect, depending on where the plant already was at in its realm there, right? Like maybe, maybe that explains that little bit of mixed results is depending on what the plant really wanted at that well and from some of like what i was reading and some of the information it talks about it tries to help it get back to that homeostasis expressing to the full potential helping with gene expression okay so if it's having some mutations in the plant it's saying it can do one of two things it can cause mutation because of oxidization or get the gene expression to get back to the the normal expression and start growing fine again so it's really interesting on some of the information on it it can be damaging or it can be beneficial yeah you know and then seeing it like with some of the testing that i've done on some of my plants like that's where i was saying earlier like if i knew the the amount of milliliters that the spray was spraying per plant to give me more of an idea of what I'm spraying, I could have a better idea of what I can do for testing. And then I can have a control 
having a plant with not getting anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, this gets five sprays, this gets two sprays, this gets none. Let's see what happens. I can do that somewhat, but I don't know like the amount, the true amount the plant would be receiving, which it sucks, but it's it's kind of that bro science where, hey, I'm, I'm giving some of it. Can I repeat it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, sometimes not the, you know, the effect wasn't from what we thought, you know what I mean? So sometimes right. mouse caused the effect that we thought. Um, and that's why, you know, if if you can't repeat the the research or the science, you know, and showing that it's you can do it over and over, then it's kind of hard to say it's, hey, I can, I did it. So I don't, I can only try so much at home. You know what I'm saying? Like having a facility, like I said, would be way different. But I don't have it, and I can only do so much at home. Yeah. But getting the information out to people that there's a product out there that if they want to try it, hey, you guys are more than willing to find some on YouTube or on uh, Amazon or reach out to me and I can kind of direct you on how to get some of it to try it out. I was just going to ask, are you distributing it or are you just like purchase some to try? Or? No, I'm actually a distributor. Um, that's kind of one of the businesses I have, like sell it for it's kind of really it's an mls on is what he's saying you need to dm him yeah dm me what amazon will sell you is just a big bottle of it i have the little spray bottles that i can order anytime i need to because i'm a distributor so i can actually sell just a little spray bottles of it and not have a big bottle that you're gonna have to figure out how to spray it on your plant uh -huh. And and here's what's crazy because it's a living redox molecule. It only works in certain type of containers. If you put it in any metal container, it kills the product. Oh, shit. So yeah, it's really interesting on like the Your plastic can would matter too if you were gonna. It would. Um, the bottle it comes in comes in a hard, thick plastic type of container. The spray bottles they give you, they're plastic. There's no metal really within the spray itself because it apparently stops the living molecule from living. Somehow it kills it. Cool. Yeah, so it's really interesting. So how much does like one of them, or isn't that something sick? Uh, that's something we can discuss later. What's the but the action. Yeah, the actual big bottle is like 40-something on Amazon. All right. you know? But that most people... Joke. That was a joke from earlier, Ego. Yeah. <laughs> He's not listening. Oh, they bought the hair? Will it grow my hair? I caught that one earlier. <laughs> I was talking about the discount code. And... <laughs> it's oh. all right. Earlier, they were asking if the miracle product of H2O2 could regrow our eagle's hair. <laughs> <laughs> I did catch that one. Well, it might be, it might be about you know that redox signaling to get them follicles to start producing hair to grow again. There you go. 
got to go with dreadlocks. He's going to go organic with dreadlocks. <laughs> They're going to be lovely blonde because of the, the bleaching of the H2O2. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's funny. Fuck yeah, man. I, I appreciate you hanging out, man. That was a good conversation. I, I'm figuring out. It's just plugging little bits and pieces of info into gaps that were in my mind and filling some in for other people because I'm sure, like, the first time you hear about it, you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what are they talking about, dude? Like, well, and it's. We talked about it, but we didn't talk about it. We got into some of it, but we didn't get into some of it. So, like, there's a lot of still information that can still be talked about and shared that people just research. If you want some of this information, reach out to Smiley. Uh, reach out to Eagle. Reach out to me, Instagram. I, I'm willing to share. I, Tal, Tal has some of this information, the American one, that I share a lot of this with him, too. Uh, Jack Greenstock, I share a lot of this information with him too. Uh, I'll be on their show tomorrow. Uh, hey, with, what's that? Shout that out a minute. You're gonna go where? Yeah, uh, tomorrow I'll be on with uh, Jack Greenstock on growing with my fellow growers grow show. Yeah, American ones on there too. He's yeah. at you in chat, so I'll get to do that tomorrow. Maybe. So, yeah, we'll be on there talking the same thing, you know, getting it out to the other audience, more people to kind of really discuss this, you know, um, because there's a lot of information and more people really want to know this and understand it. And that's, you know, really getting it out there with you guys already having Leighton on here talking about it, you know, kind of really getting that ball rolling. Because, like I said, you know, I talked about it a year ago to a few people, but it never really took off. And now that he talked about it and this, you know, kind of got him rolling on it and got the topic really going. Yeah, there's a lot of information that we can start sharing now that more people really want to know. Well, that's kind of how it all works. Though, is like you, you read something and, you're, and you talk to your buddy. Hey, man, I just read this. Have, have you heard anything about this? And maybe one in five of them will go, yeah, dude, I fucking read that article too. And it made me read this article and this article. And then he sends you those two. You know what I mean? And it just snowballs mm -hmm. from there. Like, and then, yeah, it's just the back and forth. Well, it's like Tao's a part of this chat group that I'm a part of. And like, he comes across a lot of information that I haven't seen or read yet. And I have some stuff that he hasn't come across like this redox stuff. And it's like, where else people don't know where else they can share this information that have it. And it's like, Hey, maybe you get a part of a chat group or, you know, there's a discord group or something that Instagram that you can, you know, just share with people that, you know, and you talk to and associate on Instagram that you can share this information with them. Cause that's kind of what I do. Like, I know that there are certain people in this community that when I come across something that they may have heard or they haven't seen this video that, hey, they would like if I shared it with them, you know? And so me sharing information with people that I know that want to hear this information, that's it, not a problem to do, man. You know, there's a lot of people that want it. So let's share it. Yeah some ideas i appreciate you fucking you know coming on and sharing it you know even at that 
like you said, you know, you said it years ago, and it can be frustrating sometimes to come back on and repeat what you said, you know, a few years ago. So thank you for being patient, <laughs> and you know, well, you know, you talk back to out there without being frustrated. You know what I mean about uh, having to say it for the second time, and sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating in that aspect. But you know, well, it's I'm glad you're being it, cool enough to. Some of it, some of it, <laughs> some of it comes because people don't understand the level of education that other people have, and sometimes people are not so willing to listen to how some of it's put out. So you get a lot of different people that are real hesitant on who they listen to in this community on information, and like. It took my YouTube channel a long time to really grow because it took people that heard me talking other places to kind of be like, hey, this dude's kind of given some real information and it's truthful. What's he talking about? You know, and it took a lot of people to do that to start listening to me. So, yeah, even though I've talked about stuff year or two years ago, you know, and now more and more people are kind of catching on and getting it dude, I can only try to do what I do. And that's when I come across the information myself is to share it. Like, like when I've talked about lactose and milk teas, making them and feeding them to your plants, people are like, oh, that's garbage. That's nonsense. You're going to destroy this, blah, blah, blah. Dude, there's so much information about farmers feeding their plants and their crops raw milk and the benefits that came out of it. And the enzymes that turn on lactose and uptake of sugar, lactose sugar for plants to use, like, I'm not just full of shit. I don't put out just garbage information. I put out information that I know is real and informational that I think the community could use. So it takes people to really understand who I am before they listen. And that's what it takes. Want to shout out Tao real quick too because I got much love for that fucker. I've seen him around forever and it for never ceases time. to surprise me. The chat rooms, I guess he's probably surprised a few chat rooms we've seen him both each other and we're like, oh, you're here? You're here? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised, but uh, we've got that bond. See you around, brother. <laughs> but you never know where you're going to see fucking Tao at, man. He, he That cat is it everywhere. Everywhere. But see, he's fun. another one that he's like me that came up you know, kind of learning through the community, sharing through the community, but not fully recognized by a lot of people in the community. And it's kind of sad because he is knowledgeable and has a lot of information to share, you know, and that's... That's because it... Excuse me, Tal, but that's that's because that's that fucker needs a box. You need an active box, Tal. Quit being a voice in the background. Fucking be an active box, though. Jesus. <sighs> that's a, that's what you're right, though, medically. I mean, a lot of shows, the fucking cheap home grow show, I mean, when he's on here, you know, he's just uh, that voice that chimes in, so you never really know he's present unless you're li know and listening for the voice. And then you go, oh, fucking towel's here. Shit. I'm going to fucking tune in. I, you know, I've actually watched shows. You know, just kind of been um, 
going through the works of the you know programming on YouTube and heard the fucker's voice and went, ah, I was going to turn it on, but let's see what the fuck the towel's up to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like one of those things, like I said, you never know where he's going to turn up. And I've found that cat in some fucking weird places, just like myself, which, you know, much love to him because I was there myself. You know what I'm saying? I'm not pointing any fingers because I was there myself. I'm just, I am much like him is what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, but yeah, he is definitely a cool cat. And uh, get your box well, out. God damn and it. that's like <laughs> cannabis organum. He's another person that's really knowledgeable when it comes to growing and cultivating. And it's just not cannabis, but when it comes to like mushrooms and uh, different techniques of cultivation and like, but nobody listens to a lot of what he says and he, they, he's really knowledgeable and he doesn't, you know, he's been trying to build his following, but it's like, sometimes people just, no matter what you do and the information you give out, it's hard to get your following going, especially when you have information Unless what, what really I believe helped is when you start showing your face. So people can put a face to going, okay, I can, I know him. I can recognize him. I've seen him around the community and just not the name. I have a better understanding of who he is. Like, really, that's where I think a lot of it comes is when people start showing their face. He's that's talking to you, so. <laughs> Well, there's another one out there too that is a part of the Embracing Organic show by the name of Stabby McStaverson. Yeah. And you've had him on here. And Stabby, I think Stabby's a great guy. He loves the bus balls, but that's him as a person. And I love him for it because if you don't put out the correct information, he will help correct you. And he's not shy about doing it. But he's one that he needs to come. Fun. Go ahead. He was a fun one to interview, by the way. Uh, I enjoy him on the EO show. And when he came on, you know, I don't do a whole lot of pregame, you know what I mean, before the shows. I think you probably remember that from your episode. Yeah, yeah. But he came, you know, it was like two minutes before the show, and he came on with like this Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter face. And he's got, you know, that voice. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this is kind of intimidating. You know, am I going to, because you don't know what's on the other side of the, the you know what I mean? Right. So, Man, this is kind of intimidating. I ain't gonna have to look at this the whole fucking time. Am, am I? And then all of a sudden, like right before we aired, he like flipped it to something positive and more talkable. So <laughs> I don't know what was going on there, but he definitely had me in, intimidated in the first uh, thirty seconds of the the interview. There, I was like, man, this could be rough. I don't know, <laughs> but it was a great interview. Great guy. But he's another one. Like he's a really knowledgeable person and he really puts out some good information. But the only way to get it is to go to the Embracing Organic show because that's the only platform and he still doesn't show his face. He's just in the background. And so it's how do you, how else can you get information out? Well, people somehow got to put it out, right? So people like us have to show our faces and actually talk and communicate about what's going on. Or what we understand of what's going on. Exactly. Because I think Stabby falls under that case too where he 
he debates passionately for what he knows or what he understands of it. And I think a lot of that comes from either, either he's gonna get you to agree or you're gonna show him information he didn't know about <coughs> in his perspective on it. So I've seen, you know, just to give him credit, I've seen him switch his perspective where he's argued really strongly and then he's like, wait, what you just said makes a lot of fucking sense. And yeah, you know, I just changed my perspective on it or whatever. So, right. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that he's just out to correct everybody. I think there's a lot of rhyme and reason to that too. You know what I mean? Where, where maybe he's going to challenge the information with somebody he thinks is smarter, smart, smart enough to share something with him. You know what I mean? Cause that might be the case too, where, like, otherwise, what do you gain from trying to correct everybody? Nothing. Like, you know. So. Fucking 420 blew by again. Great pass. I was yapping that, but I put it in chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, hi, gentlemen. It's almost like 2.30 my time. I got about five minutes till that time, so... Yeah, bro, I appreciate you coming on, shooting up shit. Yeah. Huge Make sure we catch the show tomorrow, too. Look forward to it. Good. Yeah, for sure. It'll be some of the same information, but hopefully we can get a little bit more out on some of this. And I'm sure some of them guys will have some input to put in on it, too. Well, yeah, I, like I said, I've shared quite a bit with Jack, so hopefully some he's gone over some of it, and he can also – discuss you know his understanding yeah mj you know what i mean I'm yeah sure. oh yeah I would say that it you know plays a role you know but yeah i like to hear what a lot of them have to say about it so yeah all right you guys you guys have a good night <coughs> Ned. yeah soundbite brother can will you want to drop a soundbite for us since you're here so tonight besides discussing redox molecules we've been here hanging out on fucking talking shit with eagle gardens and smiley gardens so you guys thanks for having me uh, and have a good night thank you my friend you have a good night and i hope we will talk to you again soon yeah for sure you guys we'll see you later all right have a good one brother Always does fucking great episode, guys. I and mean, you and him fucking nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. I've seen in chat a lot a lot of people saying in chat that we're gonna go back and uh rewatch this one. A lot of good information being laid down here. Yeah, and if it's something you really gotta dig your head around and you want to, I, I absolutely go watch a look up Olivia Olivier Houston is how you spell it. I'll try to take it in chat. It's Olivier Houston. But if you do that in YouTube, he has a few lectures and he's got a he's got a French accent, so it's kinda of like listening to um the hashtag um drawing blank. Frenchy, right? Or I don't know. So yeah, uh, man. I've got a lot to wrap my head around as well. I'm actually glad I sat that one out. You know, at least in camera. Somebody was in chat. Where's Eagle Pass? Oh, actually, Johnny Kansas. What's up, Johnny Kansas? 
Thank you for tuning in. He was like, you loud? I'm like, no, man, I'm listening, learning. And I'm glad I wasn't just sitting here the whole time and just be like, <laughs> just mesmerized in the camera for like three hours of smoking. I'm learning. <laughs> That's why I cambered off, Smiley, right there. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to turn off the camera and do something. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's been, man, it's it's not easy shit. Like, I don't know. That's why, like, like some of the stuff with the organic takeover, that's the advantage that I have, I guess, is that I get to have on these really great guests that I can fucking, you know, look to who I learned from. And that's kind of where I'm starting is trying them guys. It's been working out so far. 404 a.m. You guys have not said any, hardly any swear words. I've talked about anything. At 4.04 a.m., this video was uh, flagged and age restricted. I was swearing like a mug, man. Not, I was not to flagged, I was the thing. Fucking target shit with ego. So, I don't there know. you go. Might as well make it worth it for him. Right. <laughs> make it worth it for him, Smiley. <laughs> That's what I did the other night. That's <clears throat> that's what I'm saying, though, Smiley, or what I was saying today. It isn't that. It isn't that. Just because, like, I did the, the an episode the other night where I checked on, like, really, really, really late. I popped on at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning. I said fuck so many times, so, so many times. I played that Wheeler Walker fucking uh, fuck you, bitch. I played a sit on my face, which was like another song about, you know, whatever. I want to drive this episode too far down. And then I encouraged the chat also to put their fucking potty mouth into print just to see if I could get it flagged. And it wasn't flagged. <laughs> it wasn't flagged at all. So figure out that, you know what I mean? How How is the math behind it? So here's the way I'll put my head but, around ego as easy as it was for me to pocket block somebody in chat i'm just gonna take it as a flattering thing that somebody was working and listening and had that in their pocket and it double clicked on the report and you don't know fucking why or when it happened or for what reason but the damn thing is i love your there. optimism nobody knows there's nothing to flag i love your there. optimism now, this one right here is for Aldridge25. He asked, specifically asked for his birthday dab song. Happy birthday to you, my friend. Oh, yeah. I haven't taken a dab all day, but I do have some fresh extract that I bought today from, you know, it wasn't from Smokey, but it is his product that I am dying to take a dab with. And I would love to take a birthday dab with you, my friend. So let me get my torch where the heck it should be my backpack. In my backpack, in my backpack, my torch is in my backpack. <laughs> uh, and take this birthday dab with you, my friend. Here you go. Cheers. Cheers to Aldridge 25, born on this day, October 11th. Aldridge 25. If you're watching this, please give me a happy birthday on Instagram. 
or you can find his YouTube channel heading over there. This is a crime. There's a dad song playing, and I do not have it. Can't find my dad. I guess I got one of these cheap straws. Who wants to flip the mat backwards? Yeah. I gotta use this cheapie. Hopefully, I don't fuck up. Getting a jab, damn it. Getting a jab for Aldridge 25. I don't care if I gotta heat the bottom of that container up and just fucking inhale it. Got him. Got him. <laughs> these ones are for you, Aldrich. What? What? These ones are for you. <laughs> you know, you know they're good when you get that where it's like still fucking expanding in his lungs. <laughs> Bored and dead on this day. <laughs> Eagle. Aldrich 25. <laughs> you know, he just pass out on the floor. Sweating. <laughs> Cause of death. Birthday dads. I've seen it too many times. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I'm going to jump out, man. I'll let you do your shout-outs. It's got 25 minutes of shout-outs the other day. Damn. Well, the, that one was just because I kind of went through them, like, one by one. Like, it was a two – that was a 200 day. And uh, I went through, like, every one of them. Like, if they had an episode, I kind of – Did you do it, like, Maybe your, watch your it. style where you got to, like, say something nice about each one of them? I did kind of. That, yeah, that's – Pretty much it, yeah. If they had a past episode, I kind of touched base a little bit on that episode and all that good shit. All right. It was too. I liked it. It was it was heartwarming for me, anyways. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. But peace out, bro. Thank you, man. It was awesome spending the day with you, Smiley. Thank you for the earth boxes. We get to do that live on air here soon. We'll be putting them together for you guys. Watch Smiley walk me through his process on the earth boxes. It'd be pretty cool. It was pretty amazing to get to spend the day with Smiley and uh, uh, Red Eye Rustler, Modern Genetics, and all their ladies, of course, as well as. Uh, Dank Man Dan. What a pleasure to hang out with Dank Man Dan. I really can't say enough good things about Dank Man Dan. Tara Wilson, Birdwatcher420, 
uh, Northern Michigan Micro. Uh, great day spending. Thank you for hanging out. It was a great day spending some time with you guys, hanging and smoking, getting warm around the campfire. Tara Wilson, Tara Wilson, I hope you're staying warm. Uh, but it was a good day hanging out in Northern Michigan with you guys, swapping some stories, sharing some buds, sharing some dirt. <laughs> Smiley. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you so much. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's a little chilly, but, man, definitely a great day for sure. And then Smiley stepped up and delivered another great episode with uh, Medically Fit. Thanks again, Medically Fit, for uh, donating some of your time to the community, to the show. Uh, can't thank you enough for that. So, heck yeah. I'm going to uh, actually get to the shout out so I can get my butt back to work. Get to trimming. Try to get some of these chores caught up. So, I guess I'm going to announce this unofficially. Unofficially. Is Can of Queen here? What's up, American One? Yeah, you're right. We should be giving her a shout out. So, yeah, thank you, uh, American One. Can of Queen's new show, See Can of Queen with Canna, is tomorrow at 9 p.m. on YouTube. Please tell her. Tao sent you. And thank you, Tao, for helping me put that out there, brother. Because Miss Kana Queen is a great gal and uh, putting out some fire genetics. So please check her out tomorrow at night. Thank you, uh, Tao, for uh, bringing that to my attention, brother. Uh, kind of lost myself there, catching up a little bit on chat. Oh, this was the unofficial announcement. The unofficial announcement. I was I meant to talk to Smiley about this all fucking day in my stoner ass. I forgot. So, you know, I'm always talking about how the community should work together and uh, curving their content and working with each other. And a little bit of effort just to buy myself a little bit of time catch up on some of my chores since there is programming that I mesh with I will concede a little bit on Monday nights uh, I usually you know I pick my time slot when I did because at the time there was nobody else here so you know there but now there is a little bit of content there so on Monday nights you can catch me. I have decided what time, but it will probably be between 1230 and 1 o'clock to give the community a uh, chance to find other sources of uh, knowledge on YouTube. So, you know, Monday nights, I'm imploring you guys to go spend some time with Skillbow and Red and then come hang out with me when they're done. Uh, I will be there afterwards. Just to kind of make sure, you know, I'm not having to do my part in dividing this community up into two different places. That way you guys can go hang out and see what they got to say. And then hopefully y'all come on back over here and check out what we've got going on Monday night. 
So just my first attempt into trying to bring the community together, help the content run a little bit more smoothly, help keep the community, the chat community together so we don't have to be split up. We can just kind of flow from one place to another. It's got to start somewhere, so why not be here? So that's uh, at least the thought that was happening. So hopefully you guys agree and will play along with me. <laughs> play along with me a little bit on this. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Back to shout-outs. Back to these shout-outs that haven't even started already. <laughs> We find something to rock off here. Rock along with. Man, I got shit for nothing. Oh, I do have a little bit of coffee. Sweet. I didn't think I had anything to wet my whistle with. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go out with this one because it kind of fits my mood today. At least I'm going to start it like that. A little bit of kind of gravy. Uh, Mercury's seldom seen John Smith Oak Park Gardens Hell 9782 Skunk Packets Martial Artist 2012 Micros What was that? Uh, damn it Micros Slave Micro-slave Sorry, micro-slave Shadow Warrior Valley Green 514 Mila Jensen The Hash Queen Oz Indica Dr. MJ Coco Brandon Russ Matthew Gates Who we brought up tonight Shout out, Matthew uh, Dr. D's Bags Not Dr. D's Bags Sorry D's Bags Drone Sour Shotgun Willie Dane Kyoto was here in the chat My local hydro guy Jay Simmons Sure Bro Goes Clackamas Crew DJ Conley Miss Grown Buds Farm Aaron the Grower, your boy, Roy Boy, Delta 9, Jay McDaniels, Clackamas 420, Stinky Colas, Dylan Steinfer, PFC Farms, Krusty Socks 1975, Mr. Hanky Stinky, Sungrown 707, C8 Droves, J420, Joey Y, Cascadian Grown, hopefully we'll be here Sunday night tonight. Tito's McGee, Four Plants A, Weed Works, Captain's Crawl, Skunky Boys, Skunky Bud, Hans Warrior, Jackie Young, Tara Lee Live, Magastier, Magastier, Tempe, N.E.N., Dank Brownies, T-Urge, I don't know why I want to throw a doctor in front of you. Green Junior, Leon from All Purpose Plus. Green Goose, I got to see him real quick tonight. Hopefully he'll take me up on that offer to come on the show. Congratulations on the awards in the Clio Cup, my friend. We have uh, smile, 11 Smiles 11, Bindu Buds, Micro Rasa Groans. D's House of Dang, Mama's Lost 710, Scarecrow 420, Joey Y again, Green Town Bum, Christina MG89, Unplug 705, Medically Immacolicated, I fucked that up, Medical, Rick T Rebel, Nige 207, 
Fabian Salinas, Dave's Not Here, Tom Spoof, Craig Walker, Mendo Dope, T-Dog, Dung Beetle, Red-Eyed Jedi Grows, Mother Natures, Justin Conway, Jabriz Alley, Runboy7426, Justin Goodert, Strongman, Oki, Grower75, Corey Trevor, Michael Wallace, Mole Vision 420, Greg Walker, again, Biz Alley, you get two, Who's Your Cat Daddy, Taco, Don Slug, Rick S, In the Bushes, 827, James Simmons, Bobby Lynn Means, do I get that right, Kevin Hahn, The World's Last Hope, Pete Fan 420, Bio Milter, Polka King, Raz, Pop Little, Slow Roll, Spiky Pilots, Matt Steelbread, Endo 11, Stephanie B, Shark Pulley 989, Von Braun, Sovereign Gardens, Stoner Nation 420, Bugs 1, Painted Lady, Frank Booth, Fuel Hoss Farm, Jay Myers, Jamid, DeChat, Mr. Manny D, Bag Seed, Dr. DGC, Jeff, Shutter 911, Dutch Grows 420, Scallywags 420, Abolished, Mrs. C, Skill Bowl 1, Med Grower 1, shout out to Med Grower 1, I'll get them beans out to you, brother, Empire Breeding Co, Fagroli, Lost Leaf, it's overdue for Lost Leaf, Pedro, Liam Mass, Danny Danko, Breeder Steve, 8, Bear 7, Ali Noble, CK, Tom Trinidad, Dog 16, Looney Jester, Smoking in Small Town, Tim S, Mr. Lazy, White Feather Grows, Rafter Grows, Automation is Freedom, Rob and Robert Hazleton. And by the way, thank you, Rafter, for hanging out and finishing off last night's episode. Thank you very much, my friend. Rob and Robert Hazleton, Dwarf Michigan Quarry, Double Tap Farms, Mr. Green Thumb 420, 808 Rooting Prospects, Cannon Bus Drivers, Hayton Life, Kenny 710, Operation Grow, T Benz, TM4 2696, Root Nut 619, Dr. Scrambles, VB Moonrise, GHFWJ, Stuff Grower 56, Bio Green, Tanky Stanky 420 OG, KP, Georgia Grows, John Janana, Yo Mama, Roy Rodriguez, Jim Seagulls, Nature's Best Nugs, GR420 community videos, check them out. Great community they got going over there across the pond. The Lone Stoner Bee Growing, Killer Bee Grows, Roy Rodriguez, Ganja Wizard, Husky Gardens, Nut Tree 420, Dr. Boo, Soil Life 420, Bully Life, Jeff Rowe 420, The Dancing Booty, Beavis. God damn, I'm big. The Riffin Fat Boy, Ted Nugent's Test, Jack Greensock, and the Growing with My Fellow Growers. Check them out tomorrow, 7 o'clock. My man Tao will be on there. Hopefully in a box tomorrow, Tao. Work on that shit. I found a way to pour you, by the way. Check him out. Jack, Tao, Brandon Russ, Matthew Gates, and Zinthanol on there. Who else we got? Dr. MJ Coco, P Predictive Breeding. Hopefully I got that right. Aaron the Grower. Hopefully you're showing back up over there. Uh, let's see. 
Spartan Grown. Don't forget Spartan Grown. The multi-chill Spartan Grown. Check them out tomorrow, 7 o'clock. Grow with my fellow growers. 42420 Spartan Grown. Boom Farms. We miss you, Boom. It's been a few. Smiley's Gardens. Charlie's Farm 420. Aldridge 25. JD's in the house. Again, happy birthday, Aldridge 25. Miss these nugs. We miss you. It's been a minute with you as well. Hopefully you are well. We've been having absolutely no bad days. We miss you, Miss these nugs. Smoking Rope Frazier, Grokoski, Twisted Roots, Faded Farmer 420, Jeff Dorowski, Genetic Memory Farms. I will update you on my kombucha. Hopefully I will get that to that today, my friend. Just a little laggy and everything. Please, please forgive me. Find another tune here real quick. How's the end of that playlist? Something that won't get me in trouble, hopefully. <laughs> oh, it ain't easy. Where'd we leave off here? Right here. Evolve 420. Hopefully you're enjoying Amsterdam, my friend. Cameron Bagseed, Jill Carter, Mystic Marks, Mystic Grower, Ginger Snaps, I Kill, TV. DTTWE Rose Rick Wolf DLP 2372 Ned Denver Sgt. Pepper 420 Ken Trooper Sequence 3 Blind Cat 420 Light Up Again Tim well, I, That's one guy right there that I dig I do dig Tim What's up Tim? Shout out to you brother UKSIF 420 Hootie Boy, Devin Shipwreck, CJ Apple. You'll get more than one tonight, my brother. Medical MJ, Budsfell USA, Resurrection Prophet, Chris Martinez. Tara Wilson, it was a pleasure to spend some time with you today, Tara. Hopefully, life swings to the better. Best for you very soon, my friend. Date Man 420, Date Man Dan, again. Thank you for being you, brother. You seem to be an unspoken hero in this cannabis journey. Helping everybody out behind the scenes. Just being a true, amazing dude. Shout out to you, Date Man Dan. You were one of the first to, like, recognize me locally and make me feel like a hero. And truly, you're a hero, my friend. So, again, shout out to Date Man Dan. Please check out uh, Mr. Dateman and Tara Wilson Thursday mornings on the way to Two great folks right there that uh, could definitely use community support in their efforts. Bill says, good life. Mr. Red Setter Farms, I wish I would have got to see you today. Uh, Chicha B, seems like it's been a minute since we've seen uh, Miss Chicha. Miss you as well, Chicha. Most hated grower just had an article in High Times with that beautiful purple flower he grew. The Major General 420 Army. The American one. Much love to you, Tal. I do enjoy your company and all the great things you do in this community and all them rocks I find you under. <laughs> much love to you. You are a person much like myself. I do spend love spending time with you. 
Digger 77714, Jirate Kinios Genetics. Where did I leave? Kinios Genetics. Mountain Skies, ready to hit that hot fire. Hopefully, having an amazing day and uh, doing well with you and yours too, my friend. I know you guys have your struggle as well. It's, it's hard to understand how you go through what you do and still remain a pillar of positivity in this community. Chris Mertz, always love seeing you in my chat and on my screen, brother. Shout out to you, Chris Mertz. Even love having you as round as well. Shout out to you. Let's see, these pages are covered. Dirt Road Dude, Kanashiva, Jose Ramirez, Red Eye Rustler, and his beautiful wife. It was a pleasure time spending with you guys today. Hopefully, you guys have a safe journey home. Deb Goblin, Dr. Red Eye, or Dr. Buzz Lightyear, Acetone. I haven't seen that name on the screen and I miss it. I miss it, Doctor. Doctor, Doctor. Give it the news. I gotta. <laughs> Miss you, brother. Who else we got here? 710 Canna Queen Genetics. As the American one pointed out, don't forget to check her out tomorrow on 9 o'clock on YouTube for her new launch of her new effort, uh, her new show. Shout out, Canna Queen. Much love to you as well. Stabby, Tanase, Fumador, Dirtman, Dan, Keith, Black Sail, Rasta, Jeff, Rasta, Bob. Who else is over there that I'm forgetting? Mr. Bocillus, send premium gardens that there is, of course, embracing organics at 9 o'clock Thursdays on YouTube for 9-ish, I should say. Who else is on this list? Soil Root Small Tubes, Tyler and Tyler Teasley. Nor Michigan Micro, again, a pleasure seeing you today, my friend. Always love seeing people in the community that I get to see live around <laughs> shout out to you bird watcher 420 Ouija buds dub t roy big jar Grove, jc john modern genetics and his beautiful wife i use pleasure meeting you today as well spending time with you guys a couple two great couples right there red eye modern it's a pleasure seeing you guys today as well Laz, PPG15, SoCal Weedner was in chat tonight. Much love to you, SoCal. Brittany, Lexi, and Courtney, my baby girls right there. I love you guys more than you will ever, ever know. The 30th, first or the 30th, I believe, is when Automation is Freedom will be back of this month. Green County Grower, CJ Apple again. One of the first names that fucking raced the screen in chat when I started this adventure. So he will always hold a fucking special place with me for giving me a chance on day one. Perfectly imperfected and staying, by the way. Perfectly imperfected Dollar Tree Grower, T1 Productions, Stank Grower, DOA Grill Meds. We've nerd probably in chat right now. Shout out to you, DOA. Hopefully you are fucking feeling pretty good, my friend. Feeling better, getting back on top, my friend. I grew some. Miss Nudie Rose, man, it was a pleasure holding it down with her last Sunday. 
man, she's a great, positive gal in the community, and it is always, always my pleasure to speak with her. Johnny Kennedy, love on a pillar in my community, and I'm sure in many others, but it is a pleasure to get to know him and know that he is here in my chat and the scenes. Being an amazing guy as well. If you're not following Johnny Kennedy, you really should be one amazing guy right there. Nutrient shootouts, naughty Nikki, Zoe and Slammer NNY, Pixel Monkey, St. Bernard's Observation Booth. Awesome. Oh, old true weed nerds right there. Weed nerds for life, as I'm sure we'd all say. <laughs> Can't wait to uh, see you again. Automation is freedom. Again, uh, who else we got here? Hi, Spy was in chat. A pleasure to see you. Aldridge, 25. Again, 25. His birthday. Happy birthday, brother. Miss Madam T, another one I haven't seen. Well, I seen her yesterday. I think I just didn't get a chance to comment quick enough back to her, but always a pleasure, Miss Madam T. Miss your smile in chat in uh, the screen robert who we got here hello and welcome mr robert robert mr green fingers thomas thank you for stopping by and welcome to the chat my friend uh back to the shout outs to moo mo grower the can of crate mr loki gardens says this guy 79 79 burton be here on the 19th i believe Polish Hammer, Midwest Outlaws, 31, Voodoo Ultras, Fresno Nerds, Wolverine Grower, Big Jar Grows, Laid Wayback Farmer, Jimmy One for Life, D-Block, MMP Nations Creations. What else we got here? Let's do here. Oh, I like, I'll listen to that cover of Heart Shape Box. Witchy Weekends with Amber Lalana, Chichi B, and uh, Madam T, Little Witch Tilly, Peppa Fay, Stone Dandy Jacob, and uh, Lily Yuna. So many others there. Check out their great content. Sundays, 4 o'clock on Amber Lalana's channel, Witchy Weekends. Five ish for the after party. Usually walks you up to Jack's show my fellow home growers and if I didn't shout out twi Twisted Roots in the Weed Church tomorrow uh, Frequency Fridays do you even grow bro check you out Twisted the Psychedelic Warlock on Instagram Artist LD Sir Sticky Rob Big Dave 420 Brent Window, Big Ed Manuel Whitey G3 J&K Triple G The Green Click Mr. Sprinkly Mrs. Miss Miss or Mrs. I'm not quite sure. Brittany Teasley, Hope Fires, Ellen Hope, Lisa G, John, Be Too Crazy for You, BGWG420, Amazing Michigan Grower, and gentlemen right there. Dr. Budsville, Purple Thumb OG, Arturo, Sentimilia, Misty's Nug, so nice. She's so nice. I always say it twice. She's always an awesome lady. We're talking today about how, what a great lady she was and uh, missing her presence in Northern Michigan. Just a face 420 Beast Grows Grower 420. Sir L. Howe, Slur Howe, however you'd like to say it. Great gentleman right there. And 
love to see him in chat. Trey Valone, keep it real. Danner, 1620. Hagerton, 420. Zeb Zeppelin, audit everywhere. BTWD grows. Bingus, Green Puffin Man. Alex Boykachev, Chef Life School of Crop Kills. I love it. I don't know why I do it every time, by the way, if you don't see it. <laughs> Green Mountain Grower, Southwest Oakey, Reels, 100-212, Andy Man, Miranda Family Farms, again, Hagerton 420, Page Farms, Me All Flower, Ryan Henderson, Light 1978, New Sailbot Winds, Kingdom Aquaponics, and Flayton Morrison, Indra, Michigan Native, Mary Jane's Meds Gardens, Dreamer 77 Double D, Bad Bunny Nutrients, Mr. Green Pop, Mr. Green Nuts from 619 664, Spaniard Kruger, Jones and Grow, Papa G Grows, Raz Amy, Drove Grow, Sass, the Grow From Your Heart Podcast. That is, of course, Ross and Jeff, Lily Luna, Green Med Flock, Jeremiah Miranda, Stony Creek Lost Art, Mr. No One, Jones and Two Grow. Smith Dude, LG420 Giant Mike, Prometheus Soil and his wife. Again, pleasure to meet you guys again today and spend some time with you guys. It's a great day up here in Northern Michigan. Hanging out with some great people in this here community. Jason Eyestone, P. Wynn, David Colby. And last but not least, we just do 07. Dank McDizzle. <laughs> Hopefully I said that right. What's up and good morning and welcome to you, my friend. I need to put those two names in my shout out book. Twisted Roots, there he is. There's my Twisted. Twisted, I have to extend my deepest, deepest apologies, brother. I, they didn't have any t-shirts when I got there, brother. Or could I find them anyways? But if I could have found them, they were definitely on my must get list. Trust me, Twisted, if I could have found him, I would have most definitely put your ass up. And he put Robert, that's the other name, Robert, Mr. Greenfingers. Why well, you guys rock out to this here? <laughs> Mr. Greenfingers Thomas, almost forgot that. Get the Thomas part. Dink McDizzle. That's oh, alright, brother. You guys are officially in the shout out for. Thank you. Welcome. Sorry that uh, you're just catching up on the last end of this. I know I'm twisted. I wanted one too. Trust me, I wanted one too. Thank you guys very much for tuning in this somewhat late episode. I'm trying to get more back on the 11:30 mark for you guys. Get some restore some uh, on the mark for you guys. But again, Monday will be a delayed episode. Just as I said, to kind of bend around some content to smooth things out for you guys. But uh, check me out tonight. Mr. Castadian Grown hopefully will be with me tonight during this Sunday episode. You guys have an amazing day. Again, your Sunday layout as far as in my eyes. Twisted Roots. We Church. 
Witchy Weekends with Amber Lalana and that great, great crew there. TJB, Manatee, hang out here. And I'm always proud to see their names in this chat. Great people. Check them out. Four o'clock, five-ish for the after party. That should take you up, of course, too. Jack Greenstock in the growing my fellow home growers my favorite gentleman here the american one will be there somewhere in chat behind the scenes ow ow damn it michigan bros grow show if you're into that sort of thing and then of course me at 11 30 to walk you back down to that early morning monday thank you guys for tuning in Appreciate you guys 100%. Don't forget to do something nice for somebody. Please, random acts of kindness do save lives. They've saved mine more than one time as I pick my face up off the ground. I try to repay it when I can. Thank you very much. But you guys, I feel you guys is every night when you turn in and click that button. Thank you guys so much for following on me along on this journey and all the great people that do hang out here. This is the end of your journey for tonight. Get some rest. This is the beginning of your day. Get out there, kick some ass. Most of all, be positive. And I'll catch you tonight. Or I'll see you in chat probably all day. Probably see you in chat. Uh, this Sunday after all. Thank you guys. Peace. I love you.